Warning, this show contains mature content and spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Ah, greetings. Care for a story? One of heroes and villains? Of swords and sorcery? Of romance and treachery? We'll pull up a chair and have a listen. everybody and welcome back to another episode of the rpg show i'm your host nick and today i'm joined by the ever awesome kevin how you doing buddy good how are you i'm pretty good can't complain yeah snowed in today so that's cool dude it's like negative four degrees here right now oh shit it ain't that bad here we didn't get that much snow but it's cold as hell holy shit well uh I guess I won't complain about that. <laughs> Could be worse. Shit. Yeah. Um, what have you been up to lately? Um, trying to work on this game that we're talking about for the show, which is uh, Star Ocean, The Divine Force, if the title didn't give it away. Um, but also been doing a lot of uh, games that are having server shutdowns, so that's been taking up most of my time, unfortunately. Um, the... The ones in question are Medal of Honor 2010 and Medal of Honor Warfighter. Uh, those have been pain in the ass to get the trophies for, but almost done with Warfighter. I already finished Medal of Honor 2010, so I'll uh, be hopefully getting the plat in this game over the weekend and then moving on to, I guess, Crisis Core. So that'll be fun. So what about you? Yeah, just getting the plat for this game took you know a long time. You could probably... I think I beat this game, what, 50, 60 hours, maybe? Uh, and then to platinum it, I think it took another 40 hours. I think I got like 100 hours total in this thing. Uh, just because of how much crafting and all that other jazz you got to do just to get some of these trophies is kind of ridiculous, which we are kind of talking about pre-show, and we'll get more into in the gameplay. But... Uh, uh, and then I beat this uh, a couple of days, a few days ago, or platinum it a few days ago. And then I started Crisis Core, and yeah, I definitely love that game. Even though the the, the dialogue is kind of bad, now that I'm pl- like, I've, I've played it for the first uh, time since, what, 2008 or whenever it came out. I got it, I bought it with the PSP, there was like a bundle back in the day. Okay. And um, I played it all the way through and loved it, but... Yeah, I mean, I like the Zack character, and I like to know, like, you know, Cloud was, like, assuming his identity and everything in uh, Final Fantasy VII. When you find that out, it kind of makes Cloud feel like a fraud, you know? So it kind of, I like to see the real side of what really happened and all that kind of stuff, so. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you ever played it? I don't think you've played it, right? 
Uh, nope, never got into the hype. I was kind of uh, anti Final Fantasy VII for a while. Okay. Uh, because it just everybody like I would talk to people and uh, I'd be like, yeah, I play a lot, play a lot of RPGs and. Uh, they're like my favorite genre, and then they'd be like, "Oh man, I love Final Fantasy VII." I'm like, "Yeah, it's okay. Have you played any other ones?" And they're like, "Uh, no, that's really the only RPG I've played." It's... I'm like, "All right, well." <laughs> There's also like other uh, games out there that are pretty cool too, but uh, and like I give people recommendations, and they they'd be like, "Uh, you know, maybe I'll play it one day. I'm gonna go play Tony Hawk now." I'm like, eh, "What the fuck? <laughs> Whatever." So, uh, it was kind of one of those things where it was not i guess niche enough for me to like enjoy because uh everybody else it's like that that popular whole thing and i've got like a a, th- a thing about that or whatever uh, i like shit that's other people don't like yeah so well if it wasn't for final fantasy 7 though i don't think rpgs would be as we wouldn't have as many much variety as we have now you know because so many people you know that was their first rpg and now they're adults making rpgs so I think it, as yeah. much as uh, you know, it's kind of not that gr- it's not as good as people. I don't think it's as good as people say it is. It's still not a bad game, but uh, it's not like you know, top of my list uh, or top of uh, not top t- maybe top ten or top twenty or or whatever. But uh, uh, it still did a lot for RPGs in in general, just because it exists. Yeah, not I. I agree with you. I think we did uh, a season wrap up or the top RPGs or something. Me and Brent, um, I don't know what five, six years ago, something like that. Yeah, it's been a while, and that was pretty much the argument. Uh, and I could see that, that Final Fantasy VII could have the top spot because of what it did for the genre as a whole and whatever. Even okay. though I don't particularly agree, it's the top game for me. Uh, at least for the games that we played for the show, it was Sweden Two. But you know, yeah, it's. Eh, you know, it is what it is. You gotta make concessions every once in a while, and uh, it's 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 not like <laughs> it's, it's like any kind of uh, like inherent value to, to our list for anybody anyway. So you know, it's whatever. Yeah, it's all personal taste saying, anyway. We're not shitting on or anything. It's just some of the characters. Well, I think Cloud is just not a great protagonist, but um, I don't. I don't like that trope of like the amnesiac that doesn't talk and it, i don't know the whole that whole thing sure well they definitely they definitely put a twist on it though because cloud cloud's an amnesiac however he's also like adopted another person's personality in their entirety essentially yeah and that's a difference that's a different spin on it because usually when you have like an amnesiac character they're just like that's that's the whole thing they've yeah. got amnesia and then, like, they get their memories back eventually, and then they're like, oh, wow, I'm still the same person I've always been, but I remember things now, or whatever. But, like, FF7 had Cloud with the whole fucking mental asylum, mental break thing for a good portion of the endgame story, and you played other characters and shit. Yeah. So, uh, like, they like they address the issue, that like, it's like a legit mental problem, which is cool, but... Uh, it's it's definitely divisive because I, I see how people don't like that. Yeah, but to me that's part of the appeal because it's something new and fresh and different, and uh, it's not just generic. Oh look, he has amnesia. Yeah, uh, like because if it 
if they started the game off with Cloud be, just having amnesia and not being a badass soldier dude or whatever, even though he's not a soldier dude, it was <laughs> not that, like who the fuck would play that game? He is a soldier. <laughs> he is technically soldier. He just wasn't a soldier first class, right? Oh, okay. Wasn't he like uh, second class? I, I thought. Well, I don't know. I, like I haven't played Crisis Core, so I don't know like the whole background thing. And like I said, I'm not really a big FF7 fan or whatever. But I, I, my assumption from playing the first game uh, is that he was. An infantry man, right? Because he he couldn't make it as a soldier, and like he flucked out. That's why he was just infantry or something. But I could be I could be mistaken. Yeah, I don't think because uh, he is in soldier and Zach mentors him. I haven't got that far in the game. I can't remember, but I think he was like second or third class. So he just wasn't like, um, you know, top of the you know he's just starting out basically. So okay, because I thought. I thought something about him getting the Mako shower thing or something, and then he got rejected because he couldn't, he wasn't compatible or something. But I don't, maybe the Mako thing came from him like fighting Sephiroth or some shit. I don't fucking, I don't know. Yeah, because everyone in Soldier had Mako, the green eyes or whatever, right? So Cloud has his green eyes. But I know he got, I think him and Zack got more Mako when uh, Sephiroth. When he stabbed Sephiroth, and then they fell, and all that shit, and then they got put in those tubes for a couple of years. Yeah. So I think uh, Hojo was, like, experimenting on them the whole time. Well, because Hojo calls him, like, a failed experiment or some shit at one point, I think. But, like, because it's been a couple of years since I played the original. Yeah. So. You know, we'll get but more into that in the next... So that's... Yeah, the... this, uh... <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the Crisis Core review. So. But it's definitely, like, so that's way more interesting to me than the, this game. Uh, I don't hate this game, and we'll get more into it in the story and everything, but uh, I just didn't get hooked in this one. But it's fair. It's, uh, it's definitely not for everybody, yeah. the subject matter, I guess, because it's... You have to be into sci-fi, I feel like, I feel... Uh, because of the way they like wrap the shit in but you have to also like be into high fantasy sort of and it's weird yeah amalgamation I don't, I don't think they married it together very well you know what i mean mm-hmm. and well let's let's get into it because like when we get to story we'll be here a while I'm gonna, yeah, <laughs> when we, we'll, we'll we'll skin the premise or anything but like the thing that pissed like i i don't like they did is uh they split the story up but not not that much like there's not that but just like some key information would have helped like if you're playing either side of the story you know so i don't know it's kind of annoying well, that's the point because you have the two perspectives yeah but why don't they, like so why you'd have they... to play both sides to get the whole story or whatever but why don't they just have it like all in one story because star ocean 2 did the same thing and it was it's the most highly regarded trias game oh uh. So I think they it was this is like uh this is this is technically the last game Trice I guess I presumed they were gonna make because they were like what on the verge of bankruptcy and shit and so this is like their their last hurrah. So I I'm assuming somebody said some somewhere in some meeting, why don't we just do Star Ocean two again? Yeah. Uh or try to like make it new and fresh or something. They didn't have to though. It's like it would be, I think it would have been better if they didn't do that. Well so like Every other Star Ocean game is just a one protagonist game, oh. and uh, so I don't, I don't. I guess they just thought maybe we'll try the Star Ocean two thing again. But I don't know. I feel like Ray's the protagonist either way. Even if you start as uh, Leticia, like, sure, it still feels like Ray's the protagonist. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
<laughs> and, uh, well, that's similar to Star Trek 2, because uh, Claude's the protagonist, technically, in that one. Oh, yeah. I guess you're right. Because because uh, Reyna, like, Reyna's there, but she doesn't, like, have... It's, a, it's the, same, the same issues that this game has. So your spacefaring character... Well, that's technically all the Star Oceans. Your spacefaring character is the one that has the motivations, because they are not supposed to be on whatever planet they're on. Yeah. And they're trying to get the fuck out. And then in the processes of that, there's a, a, a greater conspiracy every single time. Yeah. So uh, and that's how they do the stories. It's usually every single Star Ocean game is a uh, spacefaring main character, male. Uh, something happens. They end up on a planet they're, they're not supposed to be on that's underdeveloped, at least per their level of technology and knowledge or whatever. And then they spend half the game on the under, under, underdeveloped planet trying to to fix whatever problems they have going on there while also trying to get the fuck off the planet and then some big bad has some big world conquering plan or mm-hmm. usually and then they have to work together with the inhabitants of the planet they're on to stop the big bad dude and save the planet and then eventually uh, they do that and they're able to, to leave the planet so that's probably yeah. what the real issue is with star ocean games is that you know you can only do the same game so many times for his diminishing returns without changing you know changing it up too much or if this is yeah. all predictable so that's probably where they need to kind of either go all in on one or the other and you know that type of thing or build up on like the do some more world building and make the game like sequels and stuff instead of like a whole new cast and a whole new everything because it's like everything's still connected in this universe it seems like it's just like different time periods because like uh, one of the characters is related to Cloud from Star Ocean 2, right? Like, grandfather or something like that? Uh, yeah, so that's like a long family line. Um, Ronix J. Kenny is, like I guess, like the first named character, and he's Star Ocean 1. And then you got Claude Kenny, who's Star Ocean 2. Uh, Star Ocean 3, I think, has another Kenny in it, but they're an NPC like character. And then Star Ocean 4 has uh, another situation like that. Where there's a Kenny, but there's not like a main uh, character. However, the main character of that game is Edge Maverick, who one of his descendants, or yeah, one of his descendants is is an admiral in the Federation in this game because, uh, like you talk to them at some point and they say, yeah, I'm Admiral Maverick or whatever, and Ray's like, oh, a Maverick, another fucking esteemed mm. lineage person or whatever. Okay. Uh, and then. And Starship 5 has Emerson Kenny, who is the grandfather of Marielle in this game. Gotcha. And then there's a character named Anne, who is a... I think uh, the one of the locals uh, of the underdeveloped planet in Star Ocean 5, who Emerson Kenny marries. But they don't say that outright, because they don't like shipping their characters can- like canonically for some reason. They like let their fans make their own shipping, whatever the fuck. But uh, apparently, when you're talking to Marielle, she talks about her grandma. Uh, everything she says is this matches up with this one character. They just don't say her name. Gotcha. For whatever say, reason, but it is. But it is like they just don't want to confirm it, basically. Yeah. Even though everyone knows it. Essentially, yeah. See, like that, those kind of half measures of like I think hurts the story. You want like some kind of concrete, like, hey, this is there's. It's good to have some, I think, um, stuff where you can kind of figure like make it your own thing like your own thoughts but when they do too much of that i think it takes away from the story oh definitely because then it feels like they don't know what they're doing yeah and so anyways uh, uh, 
let's let's get yeah. into uh, the intro, <laughs> Nick. All right. Start the uh, breakdown and everything. So if you're new here uh, to the RPG show, usually this is how it goes. We talk a bunch of bullshit for 20 minutes before we actually start the show. Uh, but uh, we usually talk about six categories once we get into the thing. Uh, we've got gameplay, story, <clears throat> excuse me, gameplay, story, visuals, music slash voice acting, overall experience, and replayability slash extra content. Uh, we technically have a, a nine... 0.5 rating scale or whatever, but we do one through fives with half scores um, because I fucked it up. We add, we th- I guess we got to fix this because technically we do 0.5 to five now. So uh, because Kevin wanted 0.5 on something, I can't remember now, but it was something bad. <coughs> he wanted what? zero, but you know. The last game we played. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <coughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. I think. Uh, so... The game we're talking about today is Star Ocean The Divine Force, and it was released this year, or if you're watch, listening to this next year, whenever this comes out, it uh, came out in uh, 2022. It's an action role-playing game developed by Triace and published by Square Enix. It's the sixth major installment in the Star Ocean series, uh, but there are two other Star Ocean games. There's, I think, Blue Sphere for the Game Boy or Game Boy Color, and then uh, there's a mobile game called Star Ocean M- Mnesis or something, Mnesis. Hmm. I don't know. That's been shut down, so uh, don't know where that those fit into the storyline. I think Blue Sphere is a direct sequel to Star Ocean Two. Uh, I'm not sure what the fuck Mnesis is, but that's also a thing that was that existed. Um, this particular game was put out for the PS4, PS5, uh, computer, I guess Steam, Epic Store, something like that. Uh, it just says Windows, so it's on PC somewhere. Uh, Xbox One and Xbox Series X slash S. Uh, and I think it had a world worldwide release on October 27th. So everybody should have been able to play it at the same time. Um, the score was composed by uh, Matoy Sakuraba, who has composed for every Star Ocean game, as far as I'm aware. And the character art is by Akira Yasuda. And uh, a lot of people have an issue with Ray's character design. And I guess we'll talk about that more in uh, visuals, if you want to. Yeah, we can. Um and I guess without further ado, let's get on into it then. So, first section in gameplay. Uh, go for it, Kevin. Okay. Um, so, like we have been doing, uh, we'll, we'll break it down into like battle system, character growth, mini games, traversal, shops, and uh, what is unique. Um, so, this battle system is an action RPG. But it has a unique um, kind of like flying mechanic where your character can kind of fly for short distances. Um, and it's with the Duma system. And we'll get more into Duma, I guess, into when we get the story. But it's basically an AI, uh, an AI that you know helps you fight. Basically, it's like a little robot companion that floats around um, with you. Um, I don't know. I think that it's like there's no gender for Duma, so it's they, them, or whatever. That was supposed to be like some kind of big deal, I guess, right? Uh, <laughs> was it a big deal? It had. It has a female voice, so it has a female I'm voice, really but know. they referred to Duma as them, they. So it's supposed to be general neutral or something like that. So, I guess. I mean, it's it's a construct, so I don't suppose it has a gender. Yeah. So, but yeah, female voice, but. Um, 
I guess that's that'd be like asking if somebody's Apple phone Siri thing was a female or not. Like it's a it's a phone. <laughs> um, but yeah, you uh, have attack. Uh, like you can attack with square. Um, uh, well, well, technically, you set up your own combos. Yeah. So you have square, triangle, and circle, and you could press or long hold to yes. do different stuff. Yeah. So everyone, well, I guess everyone kind of plays a little differently. Um, Raymond's like your typical hack and slasher, uh, where and so is uh, Nina, not Nina, but um, Patricia. Patricia. Well, I think I would say Letitia's focused more on, on building combos because she has multi multi hits. Uh, so, like each character has their own kind of niche, and yeah. uh, I mean, but technically, all you all you really need is like one big hitting move on one button, because <laughs> this this game's co combat is probably the easiest Star Wars combat I've ever played in my life, and I'm not sure I like it very much. Um, it's more fun than the last couple like action RPGs we played. I had fun with it. I think it's it's fun, but it's missing that Star Ocean vibe to me. Like I don't, I know you haven't played, you haven't played any other Star Oceans, have you? I played, I, I played one and two. You played one and two, okay. Well, you know how like you just press square and like do a regular attack, but then you have your killer moves and shit yeah, like yeah. on the uh, the shoulder buttons. I I find myself missing that so much because I liked the. I just like that, I guess, aspect of the game. Whereas this one, I just like spammed the same move over and over again. Like I was always changing killer moves out on the on the other Star Ocean games and trying out new moves and like trying to make combos with characters and stuff. But in this one, I was just I found myself limited by the AP system and then limited by the having the chain combo shits together. And I was not very happy with it. It's yeah. it's serviceable, I guess, but it's not very fun to me because it felt like i just was just pressing one button the whole time that is true but, um that there is a lot of depth to it but it's so overwhelming when they first give everything to you that it, they don't like spoon feed it to you like or at least like breadcrumb it for you a little bit it's kind of like here's everything all at once and by the time you realize what everything you can do you're almost done with the game because <laughs> he's like you don't really have to do anything uh, more than just that base combo that you start off with, like with Raymond. I never uh, changed his combo because I was so used to it. I knew how it worked. Whereas, like, experimenting with it was like, I don't know. I didn't really want to mess. And then, like, I like using square as my attack. You can use triangle and circles, or triangle and what is it? Tri uh, yeah, triangle and circle. Triangle and circle as your other combo uh, for your other chain combos. So the really all thing I ever did was like, so for Raymond I had hold square, so he did the uh, was it leadership, whatever no the whatever one gives him a lot like strength double or something like that. He has one of those. Uh, Is the one that only lasts two seconds? No. Hold on, I want to find it on the skill tree here. Because there's a couple. He's got like a berserk. He's got berserk. all in. Berserk is the good one, I think. Because uh, it's 50 well, there's also like all for one or, or one for all or something that he t he takes the party other party member stats like seven percent of them, but I guess you can increase that percentage. Yeah, but with uh, Berserk, it's fifty percent attack for ten seconds, and then if you level it up, it goes way higher. Yeah. So. Uh, you could probably combo that with all in too, because you could probably do Berserk and then all in and then do an slow. attack. Yeah, it's too slow for me though, because all in's only what ten two seconds. Yeah. 
So if you're like want to start wailing, and especially if you get hit, then your AP goes down. So we'll get okay. Let's get the AP. So well, yeah, but if you have no guard, like I use no guard or whatever, or whatever the fuck it's called. Uh, so, see, so like, I don't flinch. That's my point. There's just so much to like think, <laughs> to like think about. So so your combos are not fucked, and that's where it's, yeah. you don't really like if you're playing the regular game, like just to play it for the story or whatever. You don't you don't have to worry about that, but when you're playing like these uh, end bosses, you want to try to find the easiest way to kill them, and even then you don't need to do any of this stuff. So it's kind of like moot. But um, as you're f fighting battles, uh, you have AP. So basically, each one of your attacks takes a certain amount of AP, or abilities takes AP. Um, some take one, some take two, some take five. Like if you're uh, depending on what character you are, because as we we're saying, every character has a different skill set. Like Nina. She's your healer. She doesn't have any really attacks. Um, so she's just basically uh, healing you, and those, those take AP. Um, where Midas, he's your magic user. So he has to kind of like build up and, uh, well, I guess depending on how you set him up as well. But, you know, some of his are like four or five uh, AP. Well, no, they're all about two. Well, yeah, it depends. So you have got like he's got like instant cast, and then he's got easy normal, uh, easy semiomancy, normal semiomancy, yeah. hard semiomancy. I think it's like advanced semiomancy too, or something. Yeah. And like the the harder, uh, like the further down you get to the the harder to cast, I guess magic spells or whatever. Yeah. Uh, they take a long time to to use. So then, like he's not really usable with that stuff unless you have casting uh, time down right. uh, factors on your equipment. And that's more shit we'll get into. <laughs> yeah, which so he's not really usable till later in the game. Like at the end game, he's great. The beginning of the game, he's kind of like I think. See, the other thing I'm not sure on, but I, I, maybe it's just like perception, but not real. But uh, when you have them in your party, they can just do whatever they want. They can use any of the abilities you have set up for them, and I think they just use it. Like they don't have to worry about AP, so they just use whatever they want well, to use. According to what other people have said on the internet, um, they have a maximum of five AP at a time. So if you build a chain combo that's like a, a two, three, five, or something, that something that you would normally be able be able to do, uh, as when you're controlling them, they won't use the last ability because they don't have enough stocked AP. Because oh, the only dumb. character that has the fifteen AP max total thing is you, if yeah. you are playing. So yeah, you that's start... because. Sorry. I was gonna say you start with five AP and you build it up as you uh, do like um, not sneak attacks, but what is it called? The uh, back attacks or blind attacks? Well, you you also get it from doing surprise attacks. Surprise but attack. I think also it's like it's a couple things like uh, surprise attacks, blind sides, and then maybe knocking enemies down. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, but also conversely, if you get blindsided by an enemy, I think there's only one enemy that can do that. It's a boss. Uh, if you get blindsided, uh, or you get knocked down. Uh, then you lose AP too. So. Well, yeah, if you just get hit, you lose AP. No, because if you have uh, no guard on, as long as you're not flinching, you don't lose AP. So that's why I kept uh, that shit on. I didn't keep that on. But, I should have done that. Did yeah, you? I I use that. I use first aid, and then I use the automatic HP restoring thing, and I just it, it just never fucking die. So <laughs> that's where see, I didn't realize that you didn't lose AP for that no guard. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, well, no. See, it doesn't say about losing AP. On the it's, it's that's because the the tool tips you got to find about AP and with the um, 
in-game help tutorial shit or whatever like because the the no guard says it does it stops you from flinching under a certain amount of damage right of your yeah. max hp well not flinch so yeah so in the tutorial section for ap or something it says when if, if your main character the character you're controlling flinches you lose ap okay dislike for this game <laughs> poor explanation or like there's too much information dumps on you that it's hard to remember some of the stuff until you because like you don't realize what you're doing for like the first couple hours just kind of messing around yeah and then by the time you really want to start getting into it you just you don't remember some of the stuff so um anyways uh so yeah those ap is what how you attack basically and then when you get duma which is like the very beginning of the game. Um, you have another meter, which is the VA, right? Um, yeah, I think it stands for variable action or something. What does Duma stand for? Do you know that? I have no fucking idea. I don't think they ever say. Defense unit, eh, something. I think they do. Well, no, because because there's she's the only or it's the only like autonomous Duma. The other ones are all drones synced to the Scorpion network thing or whatever. So it's not like defense unit. Because they're a survey unit, technically. I don't like. I don't think it has. It's, I don't think it's explained. I swear there's, there's a lot. There's, there's a lot of stuff they don't. They like they touch on. They don't explain in this game. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm looking it up. Trying. Nope. They don't really say. I have, it's not on the wiki, so it must not. They must not explain it. Dang! I can't believe they didn't do that. Why? Why have it? Why even put periods in it then? It's got to stand for something. I'm I'm sure it'll be in the uh, art book they put out for sixty bucks or whatever for hardcore fans. Okay. <laughs> so they usually put that kind yeah. of stuff, like errata stuff, in those things. So yeah. Anyways, uh, uh back to gameplay. Uh, Elena is kind of more like your jack of all trades, right? Where she has like close attacks and far attacks and her her weapon can turn into any weapon but she doesn't really have any magic i would say or um yeah well ray doesn't have magic either yeah well ray's your main attacker uh jj is kind of a weird one where like he's more like counterattacks, right I, I didn't really mess with him that much no, yeah, I had him in my party once, and he just stood still with his sword up in the defensive posture, and I'm like, I'm not controlling this, dude. So, <laughs> I took I took him out of my party. I think Melchio could be a good early game because she hits hard with her claw, like she's gonna basically like got uh, claw. Oh yeah, well, so my issue is like there's like two or three hybrid characters. I think Albert, uh, Melchio, and maybe yeah, maybe it's just those two, but like they both have access to some physical attack skills and then some magic, uh, like semiomancy skills. Yeah, and uh, that's not that's what magic is. Yeah, well, so yeah, so attack magic, offensive magic, and stuff is semiomancy, and then healing is called iatromancy for some reason. That's what it and, is on uh, the planet. Yeah, well, every, that's that's only on this planet. Every other planet in the in the universe apparently calls magic just in magic in general symbology. So I don't know why they call it semiomancy here. I don't know why the fuck they changed this shit up. They don't explain that either. Well, I would just Whatever. guess it haven't been. Uh integrated into the galaxy yet so i'm sure once the rest of the galaxy you know they make it to space then they'll they'll change the term but that's just what well, 
that's i mean it's so ray grew up with symbology presumably uh so he would know what like that stuff looks like and when he like see the semiomancy stuff he's like huh this kind of looks like symbology but not really and elena says like oh yeah this looks similar so i think it's a little like it's a little different okay uh but it's not quite like it probably has like the same source like yeah. how languages probably come from like all european languages come from like latin or whatever the fuck but then like it all kind of got different somehow yeah. and uh i don't yeah i don't fucking know <laughs> so anyways um duma uh has va which oh. is her skin so according According to Twitter, sorry, uh, somebody on Twitter, Twitter tagged the Star Ocean thing in here. I can't find it. Like, all I can see on this Google search from the Star Ocean official Twitter is that Duma means Dynamic Universal Maneuver Assistant. Okay. That, I, would, I would buy that. Um, so Duma has a couple of uh, abilities that she gives you, or, or they give you, sorry. Um, the one is if you hold down R1, uh, basically it's like a, a shield, um, and that's the VA. So you build up VA by attacking, you know, uh, monsters and stuff. Uh, and then the other thing, you can do surprise attacks, or you can do uh, she'll the Duma will move you around to like get the blind side. If you hit hold the directional, you know, stick over and they'll go around or you hit up uh, go above them to try to get the out of their uh, the site and then that kind of freezes them if you have Duma built up that way because um, Duma can uh, you know gain experience too basically but you have to use crystals that you find on the world map um, the main uh, use for Duma uh, outside of battle is to scan for treasures um, which Duma does kind of shitty because if there's any kind of treasure above you, uh, it doesn't scan up there. So there's some of these platforms that kind of got to jump or uh, kind of fly up to. Uh, you can miss them. Or if you fly over them, like I did, I was missing one, um, they won't scan below you. So, but there's, um, so there's Duma can attack or defend. Uh, you start off with attacking, um, and there's some skill battle skills they can use where it's like uh you know you get more va from attacking or uh there's a like basically like a limit break attack you can get uh later in the game where you can uh, increase that which duma controls as well um then uh there's another... So you can lose your VA meter if you fuck up a blindside, and there's a skill to pro. So you lose less of your meter when you fuck up. Okay, I didn't know that. There's also one for increasing the the time you get the enemies get stunned if you do successfully blindside. So yeah, the the only upgrades I used were uh, silent, like be silent on the world on the overmap on the overworld map, uh, because I didn't use her treasure search thing because I was cheating and was using a map somebody else made already. Oh, so so I didn't bother with that, um, and then I used the stun up, the increased or decreased loss of blindside VA shit or whatever, and then like uh, you get more VA bar when you attack, and then I never used the estuary cage thing. So yeah, so that's the defensive one, which I used the only time I ever used was on the like the like the after uh, post game bosses, um, where 
I would because you, you can't blindside them or anything, so there's no point in even using those skills on them. They just like knock you down, like you can't get around them or anything like that. So okay, so I just use the cage and I increase the attacks. There's like a Duma skill where they increase the attacks if the S3 cage is on you. I think it's called uh, S3 Striker. Um, so there's a shield that kind of increases your defense. But yeah, all Duma does like basically um, buffs and debuffs you. And the main thing is that uh, you fly around battle with Duma. <laughs> That's the fun thing with it. Like that's the thing I had fun with like at the beginning. Like you just kind of hold R1 or hit R1 and you kind of blindside, fly around and attack them, which only your character can do. No one else has a Duma, but um that's the fun I had with it for the for the majority of the game. Um also, you know, you can fly like so you outside of battle, you can fly, you get an upgrade where you can basically fly twice, like you get like a short burst and then when you're falling you hit x to kind of glide down and that's how you get to some of these treasure chests in the world maps and some of these duma crystals um and then basically the the whole game you're just running around uh that's traversal traversal uh kind of skipping ahead there a little bit but uh duma is kind of like in battle and outside of battle <clears throat> Um, so yeah, everyone's kind of like, I just want to mention one thing about the blind side though. Okay. Uh, and that was, it was frustrating me for a long time until I kind of figured out the, like what you're supposed to do because each enemy has like, um, like a visual range that you can't tell it's, but if they're looking in your direction, that's the only way you can blindside them. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes I like, I'd just be like, I'd be diving bobbing into the dudes that weren't looking at me in the first place and it wasn't working. And I'm like, why the fuck? Am I not blindsiding? I thought you just had to dive into people. But uh, then I learned you have to, like, get the enemy's attention and then, like, dive, like, blind, like do my attack thing out of out of their line of sight and then dive into them. And uh, that made it a lot more... Like, it, it made it work more often. Uh, I still... I feel like this game's difficulty is so low because I was, like, destroying enemies most of the time in, like, three or four hits. And yeah. I was like, I don't understand the point of this. Yeah, like, the first, like when you first get Duma, all you do is just like basically fly into him and kill him all the time, and then about halfway, two thirds of the game, what, two thirds of the way through, uh, you have to kind of start blindsiding him because you don't take a snap, you don't take away as much da much damage anymore. So then when you blindside them, they'll get stunned for a minute or a couple seconds, which then you can like really wail on them. So I think that kind of though depends on how you set up your characters because I think I unintentionally made the game way too easy. Because Letitia gets a, a passive skill you can get pretty early called Determined Princess, and it makes her defensive stats zero, but you like essentially give everybody in your party like double experience or something. Yeah. I did and that too. So, <laughs> like, I was at, I was still like chapter one, and I'm like level 60, and I'd get new party members, and they'd come in at like level 30 and stuff, and I'm like, uh, I think I accidentally like fucked up my file because. I'm just like I'm like two shotting everything uh, or whatever, and it's like there's no difficulty in the game anymore, even though I have it on like universe difficulty. And yeah, I didn't. So it's I didn't get that far ahead, but I was kind of like ten, fifteen levels ahead, but still was easy. Yeah, well, I like I chained 
surprise attacks all the time, which is a thing that there's we can also talk about too. So there's a a, a battle chain thing where you get a bonus experience points and uh, money drops for surprise attacking enemies and killing them before the stun wears off. Yes. And the more chains you do, like it adds more bonus multiplier. Uh, I think there's a max of like 5.4 or something. But uh, for each enemy that you kill that still is stunned by the surprise attack, you get five times 5.4 or whatever, or however many times multiplied experience points or money dropped from them. And that like stacks multiplicatively with any uh, accessories you have that boost experience gain. Or like passive skills that boost experience gain, like the, the, the German princess, princess from Letitia, and so uh, you can you can break this game pretty hard accidentally, or even like more if you know what you're doing pretty early on. Yeah, and it's pretty uh, it's pretty par for the course because you can kind of do that in the other stars too. But but then they make uh, it so if you want the platinum, they make it really hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like the game the main game is easy. Like you can. Do whatever you can take your time, do whatever you want, but then you really got to figure out combos and equipment and everything like that um, when you get to post game. So, um, but yeah, everyone's stats you know, they have hit points, attack, intelligence. So, attack and intelligence is like your regular attack and your magic attack, and you got defense, and then guts is like your resistance to being like status affected, right. That's what I kind of got out of that. And your ability to give the other <clears throat> monsters statuses. I think so. And then um, you have earth, water, fire, and wind elements. And each character has resistances to that that um, you can upgrade. And there's also the status effects you can get are poison, frozen, scorched, confused, and weakness. Um, I think is there anything else about battle system? I think that's. I think that's everything. I mean, you can you can switch your party members with the D pad. Yep. Uh, So the four active party members you have, you you can switch them anytime in battle, like up with up and down and shit. Um. Oh yeah, the stop mode. So like, so say your main (laughs) character does die, or gets incapacitated or whatever you want to call it uh you can switch to another character hit the start or the touchpad and you can use an item um to revive them or heal them or whatever which you don't really need until you get to the post dungeon so i was using yeah i think i think that's like a, a maybe a bar a holdover or like they stole it from like the tales of arise shit or something because i feel like that was something that happened there too or or I guess Tales tell games in general, where you have to like pause the action and use the item that way, kind of thing. I don't know it's like it struck me as weird because I I feel like every other Starship game you didn't have to like wait like wait for your characters to not be doing anything to be able to use an item with them. Yeah, and uh, you just had to open up like, a menu with the character. And they would use items and stuff, and I don't know. Like it was, it just felt really odd trying to use items in mid battle. Yeah, it was not. I don't know. You could actually you could, assign it to a, a button, but it's kind of like a waste at that point. Yeah, you could also give it to like if you do that, you put it in the chain combos with your AI characters. Apparently, they use them. 
but I never tried that shit because I don't trust them. Yeah. Well, with the problem items. the problem with items though is, and this is like real, the one of the more dis, another dislike about this is like the more frustrating things is that you can only have twenty of an item, which why why most games is ninety nine, but you only have sure. But every every Star Wars game the max is twenty, so it's nothing. Oh. I did not know that, but still, I hate it. <laughs> because anything well, over 20, you'll sell it automatically. And, yeah. And, like, if you're going through a dungeon and, you know, you already have 20 of something and you go to open a treasure chest, well, you can't because you already have too much. Yeah, that's the most infuriating thing. And then you can't you even can't, use... And you can't discard items. You can't discard them and you can't use it if you're full. Full HP or whatever it is. So I'm like... Okay, and I go to battle, get hit, use an item, and run back. I'm like, oh my god, this is annoying. So yeah, uh, you do have an inventory, so we can get into like the menus and stuff. Um, you in, well in battle, you have four characters, and then you have a reserve, and I think you can re-switch them out in the middle of the battle too, right? I never really mess with that. Um, I don't think so, but uh, I never tried. Well, I'm try. I do want to say though there is a, a lock-on system, but uh, I think it's the most awful lock-on system I've ever used in my life. I don't know what the fuck is going on with it. It's hard to switch uh, between. Uh... Well, yeah. So like, uh, like when you lock on, you can only lock on where your character's looking, not where your camera's looking. And then um, to sw- like, you have to use left and right on the D-pad to switch lock-on targets. But it seems like it's not. Like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It just seems like a random switching. Like, one time, I accidentally was targeting something I didn't want to, and I moved up, I pressed right to go to the target right next to it that I wanted to, but then it went, like, behind it to another target, and I pressed right again, and it went further to the right of that target. I'm like, fuck, okay, uh, let's go back left then. But then it went to, like, something completely different that I didn't want to target. I'm like, I just want to target this motherfucker that's in front of me. God damn it. And, uh... I don't know. I just had lots of issues with the, the lock-on system because there's like a soft lock-on and then a hard lock-on when you press the right stick in. Yeah. And you can't, like, you can't lock on unless your character's looking at that thing, even though your camera's on it. And then if you soft lock on something, if you turn to like Duma attack it or even like regular attack it, sometimes the soft lock-on will just randomly switch to another enemy and uh, it'll fuck up your shit. And uh, <laughs> I. It was super frustrating. <laughs> I don't. Excuse me. I don't know why. Yeah, just because it's not. You, you want to hit what you want to hit, and you can't sometimes. Yeah. Um. What else? I think that's the majority of gameplay. Um. But yeah. So, going on to like, if you go to your menu in the menus, <clears throat> uh, you get items, and you can. Use basically there's like usable items and you get your weapons, armor, accessories, materials, and you get your valuables, which are like key items or whatever. Um, everything in this game is craftable, except for I think no, I think everything's craftable in this game. So there's a crafting system, and which uh, this I think takes away. From some of the uh, treasure chests, because by the some of these treasures, like by the time you get to them, like they are pretty worthless, um, because you can craft basically anything, um, or item creation. So in item creation, there's compounding, 
crafting, smithery, engineering, alchemy, authoring, and synthesis. And some characters get their best weapon from crafting, some get it from smithery, and some get it from engineering. Compounding is like your potions and stuff like that. Um, alchemy is like churning, uh, you know, one kind of uh, material into another one. So iron, silver, gold, star ruby, mithril, rune metal, oracum, ra- rainbow diamond, dark matter, moonstone, meteorite, ex- thiller, ex- lithium crystal, and philosopher's stone are all the kind of smithing uh, materials. So you can... Well, it's also crafting, too. Yeah, and crafting, too. Um, crafting has, like, the most for some reason. Like, they didn't, like, really split... Like, there's, like, 180 different crafting things you can make, and then everything else is, like, 50 or 80 or something like that. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, you can create the best weapons. Um, the thing of crafting, though, it's all RNG. There are other... There are other things you can have that kind of help you create better items or your characters will develop skills as they craft more often, which is also RNG. Um, Apparently you have a higher chance of unlocking a talent if you're ability, like if you're, uh, if they have, if they, if they have uh, their crafting skill up to level 10. Yes. But even then only some characters can unlock certain talents. And like the extra characters like JJ and Theo only get four for some reason instead of five. Yeah. So. And then, uh, well, what was I going to say? I don't know. Crafting is uh, not worth your time until post game, really, uh, where you want to like basically craft the best weapons. Or if you're trophy hunting, you have to do ninety. You have to craft ninety percent of the items um, to get that trophy, which is like. 400 something maybe 300 something um but yeah of crafting uh you can which i haven't got to yet um every character for like every time you level up you get skill points you can use and there's kind of like a skill tree kind of a la final fantasy 10 like sphere grid kind of or any other games that kind of do that thing it's not exactly a sphere grid but you have to unlock one next to the other one to keep going and you use your skill points you get for leveling up uh there is an item you can craft that gives you like what 50 or something like that but it's so yeah like a great amount at the beginning of the game but then it's worthless at the end of the game what's worthless the sp seed because you get 50 oh. and they, at the beginning of the game it's like oh fuck yeah because you get like 50 sp per level and you need like 100 to learn skills and shit you're like yeah. oh shit this is great and then by the end of the game when you're like experience farming or whatever you're getting like five levels per battle or whatever and you're getting thousands of sp it's like oh 50 sp cool yeah like i'm good um but you can also use your sp to strengthen uh your attack skills so everyone has combat skills um, you can level them up to level 10. Uh, they have active skills where, like, you hold down the square button or triangle button or whatever, and it will do, like, a kind of a buff. Um, so everyone has kind of different buffs they can get. Um, passive skills, uh, for, for instance, like we are talking about, there's auto-healing, um, where it will restore... You Basically, if you have auto-healing on, um, you know, the game's easy. It's like the easy mode. 
because you don't have to worry about healing. You don't have to worry about items. So um, you, if you level up to 10, you you restore basically three hit points a second or every couple seconds. Um, 3% of your max HP. Yeah, so it's a lot when you get when you have sixty eight thousand hit points. It's it's definitely a good chunk every five, a couple seconds. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's passive skills. Uh, there's your synchro skill, which is like your Duma skill. So you have your basically your limit break, um, and what's the other one? It's the the VA action, like your dive bomb thing. Oh, which is different for every character. Yeah, it's different for every character. I never took the time to figure them all out, uh, but I guess there's some cool ones. Maybe I just used uh, Ray most of the time, and he just slams into the the, the enemy. I th- but yeah, Nina probably heals. I'm guessing. Um, but... Probably, like I thought, as soon as I realized I couldn't figure out why Nina wasn't healing when people needed to be healed, I just stopped using her. Well, there was a like, there was an update it. to that where she does heal now. Okay. So they did do a patch. So, uh, yeah, when we first started playing this game, she sucked, but now she does heal you. Like if I, when I was playing those post game dungeons and I was dying, um, I just left it left, left it on Ray and she like ran over to me and revived me. But I also had her like in her like uh in her chain, uh, where her first skill where her first skill was revive. So. That way, when she came to me, she revived me right away. So that's good. And then you also got... Uh, so then the last thing uh, is your IC skill, um, which is all your crafting skills, basically. And you can... So you can level them up two different ways. You can use the skill points to level them up instantly, or uh, by doing tons. And I don't know how much crafting you have to do, but you can gain levels that way by just crafting. Kind of. Because I only noticed I got uh, SP points for making shit failures. I guess I don't like, know how the that... whole system works, but it's not worth yeah, it. Don't waste your time. Yeah, don't try wasting your time leveling up crafting by crafting shit. It's a waste of time and money. Just be like, bite the bullet and spend your SP on that shit. Yeah, but you don't have to do it. Like, everyone doesn't have to have every skill. Like, you know, some are better. Like, Nina's good for a lot of, like, the regular crafting and uh, compound. compounding. Yeah. And, like, some other ones are good for synthesis, which is, like, adding factors from one weapon to another. Um, well, and like, some shit's misleading, too. Like, Al Baird is the only one, that apparently, that can really make Philosopher's Stones and the Exolith Crystal things or whatever. Yes. Uh, even though, like, Midas can also get Wild Instinct, but he can't make that shit. So it's, like... Yeah, there's, like... Super... Some characters are, like, who you think would be able to do stuff can't do stuff, and it's weird... Yeah, if it wasn't for the internet, uh, people would be wasting a lot of time on this shit. So thank God for the internet because... Oh, uh, yeah. The plot would be way fucking lower. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's so, so much. Because all the items you craft, um, they don't tell you if you craft them before or not. So you have no idea if you did it or not or if you just collected them. Because everything you can get in ba- like in on the buy or find or open a treasure chest, you can craft as well. So like did i craft that did i not craft that so luckily i found this um spreadsheet that some guy made uh with every single crafting item and i just put a little x by it like i made a copy of it and put x by it after every time i crafted it so i knew uh and that saved me a lot of headache 
Uh, I post that in the Discord too. If anybody else is listening to this and would like to, you know, use that, or if they had an update by now where they count or have a tracking system, maybe. Um, the other thing they don't track is treasure chests. So the problem with those is you don't know. Like after playing the whole game, you don't remember which ones you didn't get or missed, or if you did miss them, or if you got them already. Uh, it's hard to tell that as well because the treasure chest disappears when you open it. So it doesn't like you. Yeah. Most games will say, you know, you have nine of ten chests in this area, so you at least know there's only one more you have to get. But the, in this game, you basically have to go. So there's a trophy for getting all the treasure chests, a hundred percent. And yeah, you have to basically backtrack to every single one until you find the one you're missing. So. Like off the top of my head right now, I feel like I could give two suggestions to improve that stuff. Like for crafting stuff, if it's been if it's a crafted item, you could put like a C on it somewhere or like a stamp like on the item screen like oh, when you're looking yeah. at the item. And then like just some little something to notify you that hey, this has been crafted before. And then like for the treasure chests, like you don't even have to have like a marking on like the map or whatever that'd be useful to be like oh two out of five or whatever yeah but even just using like doom a search thing like have a beep like if you goes beep beep like oh there's still an item here somewhere cool let me keep looking oh and yeah, that's, like... that's just like that's just like something quick off the top of my head well that uh, should improve the quality is... of life well what they should have done is that when you upgrade doom of like 100 like to the max it should be able to like scan the whole map and then oh for sure yeah it's like why do i have to still run around and hit the freaking scan button so yeah it's kind of frustrating uh when you're doing the trophy hunting i'm not gonna take that away from the game because that's you know something not many people choose to do so if you're not self inflicted yeah <laughs> we're me and nick are, are dumb about it but <clears throat> yeah if just playing the game it's not that big a deal like the, the and i would say the treasure chest there's like there's no unique items you're gonna find in a treasure chest so don't worry about missing them because they're mo basically garbage anyways so uh, speaking of loot and stuff there's also green lights on the ground that are just random items sometimes yeah. so that's also shit you could find too but some of that stuff you find on the ground you can find in a treasure chest it's like what 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 you're just throwing random stuff in here at this point like there's no mm -hmm. i feel like some of it's like not real well thought out like why you give me 200 full when i just can kill someone for way more than that so but yeah like like end game dungeon it's like you open a chest it's like 1500 full like oh oh boy <laughs> like what am i supposed jackpot to <laughs> two fresh sage like what the fuck okay yeah fresh sage where you can just buy those so, it'd be one thing if it's like craftable stuff that you have to craft mm -hmm. that's kind of difficult to craft or whatever I mean, you get some of those things, like you get some, I think there's a couple uh, recipes or something you might get, but other than that, it's kind of a pain in the ass. So that's a, well, that's the thing, like most RPGs fall on the trap they fall into, where it's like, hey, they're at the end of the game, what do we get them now? And it's like... Everyone's holding that weapon, that's all you gotta give me, that's all I care about. Yeah. Just do that. Or even penultimate, and then let us do the ultimate weapon in the post-game dungeon or whatever. Yeah, like, that works too. Don't overthink it, guys. Don't overthink it. It's not hard. I mean, maybe it is because we just play games all the time, so <laughs> we have to deal yeah. with the same bullshit. You know, we, we're probably in the top couple percents of people that play RPGs, so you know, we can be consultants if you want. If you ever want to 
call and ask me some questions. Oh, uh, definitely. <laughs> Shit, I'll, I'll sit in office all day if you want and just come to me with questions. That'd be deal. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, crafting like it's its own mini game, you know, if you think about it like that. Uh, it's I mean it's kind of its own game in itself because it's it's far it's so far removed from the main game you don't have to craft at all to beat the game you don't have to do any of this shit you can beat the you can beat the whole main game no problems probably without even buying anything off the skill tree which I don't think we talked about yet either but we talked about a little bit uh, but yeah uh you could presumably just buy sh like your upgrades from the store. Uh, like the you know weapons and armor, and I guess maybe play the game on Earth difficulty or whatever the easiest one is, and get through it. You might want to buy stuff on the skill tree. I don't really know how much that affects the stats well, that much. Well, I think the the but, one thing it really does affect is the hit points because it's like percentage increases. Yeah. Uh, well, it's all percentage increases, but like at the beginning of the game, it's like oh, you buy uh like a strength upgrade, attack upgrade or whatever. It's twelve percent, and you have like. I don't know, fifty strength. You're like, oh boy, right? Five points of five, five points of attack, whatever. But like end game, sure, it, it adds up because then you're talking about like ten thousands range of stats yeah. that your characters have. So it's a pretty big chunk at that point. But well, I think the first couple stack upgrades, upgrades you get were really cheap. Like I'm just looking at Ray's right now. His first attack upgrade sixteen percent. So I think that's worth it. Oh yeah, definitely. So I just mean. In general, if you want to play the game without really worrying about it too much, you don't really have to do anything. You just play the game. Yeah. Um. But yeah, everyone has their own skill tree, and you can get like, I don't know, resistances up. I never, I always save those for last because I didn't really get that much sad effects, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, because that's my like part of my issue too. Like, I just like destroyed every encounter I was in, so I never had to worry about enemy enemy. Uh, magic. I never had to worry about enemy status effects. Like even if I got a status effect, uh, just like I brushed it off because I was just gonna kill the enemy the next couple hits and finish the encounter. So when you get to the post game uh, boss, one of them uh, burns you to a crisp, and there's nothing you can do about it unless you want. Uh, Wait. Unless you're really really quick and you can use an item to like take away the burn, but it literally kills you one hit. <laughs> nice. So it is a little bit of a challenge when you get to the... But at that point, you just want to be done with it. So it's kind of like counterintuitive. Like, you should put more of the challenge in the main game and, I don't know, make the uh, end game a challenge as well, but not, like, so much where you're doing things you never had to do before. That's kind of yeah. where I kind of, like, disagree. Like, I don't agree with those kind of things. I want a challenge, but I don't want it to be way more than the actual game ever was, even on Earth. What? I think Trice though has this philosophy where they have there's two kinds of players. Like you have your casual player who just wants to play the game and so they have to make the game accessible for them. Right. But then you have your hardcore like dedicated fans or hardcore gamers or whatever you want to call them who want to try to exploit the game mechanics to their extent and they kind of give you this playground to mess around in. Yeah. Um but at the same time like trophy hunters fall to that weird middle ground where they kind of want to enjoy playing the game, but they also just want to get the plat and move on sometimes. So I don't know getting the plat and moving on. I just want to get, like, I want to get the plat, but I don't want to spend more time getting the plat than I did playing the game. To me, that's not this. Like, I want to kind of, <laughs> like, maybe spend, like, five to ten more hours, but not, like, 20 hours more, to, you know, to get the plat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. I want to spend a little extra time, but not, like, 
double the amount of the game time. I suppose. Uh, for me, uh, if it's like a enthralling experience, I don't mind investing more time in and like getting the full experience out of the game. Like, like my dumbass with like Saga Frontier or whatever. Like I got every character, uh, every like attack ability and every magic and every whatever. Like I full that all that shit. It wasn't a requirement for the plat, uh, but I had so much fun just exploring the game systems and going that way i have like i even got one character or a couple characters to like almost nine 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 stats and everything because uh, i'm an idiot like that but yeah. like for this game there's too much it's too much going on i think to try to extract that kind of same experience out of like you yeah. know what i mean because there's like it's not just like oh there's a couple systems that are kind of complicated it's like a whole ton of fucking systems that are complicated and they're all kind of intertwined a little bit and it, like they're all not like really necessary, but they're kind of necessary at the same time. And it's I don't know, it's just a little too much for me. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, that's the basics of gameplay: uh, character growth. Uh, you just experience through battles. Duma by crystals uh, is your typical uh, RPG system that way. Um, the only other, like we were talking, the mini games. The only other mini game is called Isoa, and it's kind of like Stratego a little bit, I guess. Like the board setup, kind of like that. But you see every character. Well, I don't know. There's like a board, and there's different characters that you can play, and they do different things. But you basically, you're building up attack. Uh, the goal is basically to get your opponent's, you know, hit points to zero. And each one of the characters takes a certain amount of attack away. And then there's specialty characters that do different things. Like there's a assassin that will remove a character from the screen. And then there's like commanders and heroes and gunners and berserkers. They all kind of do their own different things. Um, it's a fun game. Uh, I liked it. Um, I have no negatives to say really about it. It is what it is. Um, you can craft your own. Uh, in crafting, you can craft your own uh, characters, but you get them all through, uh, you know, winning through the normal gameplay. Like, yeah, winning battles, you get a new one. Uh, you don't time. get all of them through winning battles, though. There are some you can only get like from treasure chests and shit. Oh, really? But eventually, you can have like a whole set if you really care about that. Yeah. Uh, but the but each each of the pawns you can use are not like mutually exclusive like you can have a whole, a whole five set of like the same character if you have them so yeah you can really stack your deck but you don't need to and my my i liked SOA as well at first but then it became easy to exploit the ai yeah. uh, up up to every level uh, like i got the grandmaster like uh, i haven't bought the ethereal queen yet which i guess is the like you said the hardest one mm mm-hmm. mhm for the trophy but every single time up until like i guess master level seven the enemy the, the my opponent the opponents would do the same thing yeah, and so see. i was just like all right well here's my strategy and it's been undefeated so far let's keep going with it no uh, but I, I did not lose to her so i did not lose once <laughs> okay i lost in the solo once or twice before i had like i really knew what i was doing and had a, enough good pieces and when you start mm -hmm. off you just have the the regular ones and they don't really have any special effect or effects, or they're kind of weaker. And um, they will try to box you in. Like if you get boxed in, they if your if your characters get boxed in by theirs, then you lose that character. Like they get like basically taken off the board. Um, so 
I feel like yeah. the early game uh, challenge is a lot harder than once you start getting... Like, once you have these, like, Berserkers that do, like, 350 damage a piece, you're like, you know, get enough of them on the board, you you know, you win. You win, yeah. Yeah, the the only game I lost was the the first match that I... I think I played, like, an advanced rank enemy or whatever, and I did not know that if you get your uh, units trapped, they get removed from the board, and oh. they did that to me. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's how you play this game. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I got it. Yeah. And then I won every single one after that because I was like, this AI is retarded, and... Uh, like for because I didn't understand the rules of the game, I lost. But as soon as I understood how to play, it's like this is super fucking easy. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's uh, I mean you don't have to play it. That's the thing. So it's it's a fun, it's a fine game. It's a cool concept. I, I have no problems with it. I'm not saying it's like super awesome or anything, but it's I feel like the it's it's just a microcosm of the game. It's like Star Ocean itself. It's like. Uh, it seems more. I don't know. It's it's good, but it's not great. Well, it's so I would say it's it seems more complicated than it is. But then once you figure out the, like the crux of the mechanic that they that's kind of like whatever linchpin that's holding the whole thing together, and you take that out, yeah, then it becomes super easy. It's it's almost like a, a complete one eighty on your experience because you could be struggling, and then you you figure out the one thing about the game like the, the mechanic that you're whatever the part of the game is that you might be having an issue with you figure out the one thing that lets you exploit the the rest of it and it's it's over like the challenge is gone yep yeah yeah i agree um like i said traversal is by foot and and then duma uh, you fly through the air uh, and even in the towns there's like multiple different levels you can fly to so it's kind of fun to explore the first time you play the game, uh, so I, I, the the exploring aspect of the game, I uh, did enjoy for a little while until I did, you know, I got over it. But um, and Duma helps with that, where the Duma will scan everything, and you can you know where the treasure chests are, so you got to figure out how to get to them. Um, but there's only a couple towns where they're really hard to get to. Other than that, uh, they're pretty easy. Uh, Shops. Um, so each town has like their main shop, basically, and they sell everything. There's a couple towns that have a couple shops where like one shop will sell items, and the rest will the other, and then the other shop will sell you know the equipment type thing. But for the most part, each town has a shop and a inn. Um, which this is one of the things I don't like about, like, uh, I hate when they do this in video games where, you know, there's a bunch of buildings, but you can only go into like a couple of them, you know? So, okay. I mean, it doesn't really bother me because like in real life, you don't walk through a neighborhood and go to everybody's house. <laughs> but uh... I'm not saying it bothers <laughs> so, like, me, but like for me, like, it's like, it's like, whatever. I just feel like the ratio should have been a little bit more. I don't know. It wasn't like that bad there's like there are some buildings you can go into and they have items or quests or chests in them um but each shop you can buy items weapons armor accessories and materials and then um you can sell your stuff or there's like little quests you can do for them and sometimes they give you money and sometimes they'll if you do the quests for them they'll have expanded inventory um, and there's one shop, uh, there might be other shops like this, but the only one I know, know about is like, 
the books you create, if you sell them to uh, the shop in the capital, um, they the will, royal capital, not the imperial capital. Yeah, the royal capital. He will give you royalty, like so. You don't get any money up front, but he'll give you the royalties on all the books he sells, and any and so basically it's in game in game time. I mean, it's a cool concept. It's not necessary at all. Um, but yeah, he, oh, Merit has a skill that's like, oh, if you level it up, you get two hundred plus percent full per battle or some bullshit, and it's like, yeah, all right, I stick that on, and I was I was rated in money. Like every time I got to a new town, I had like a hundred thousand full more than I needed to buy everything out of all the shops and shit. And I was just like, all right, cool. You never need money in this game until you start crafting, and that's when you need the money. Because some of the stuff like. If you're trying to like make ultimate gear, um, it was like five hundred, like five million dollars to like put the good stuff on the ultimate weapons. So that's when you really need the money. Yeah. Well, yeah, right before the show started, I was fucking around a little bit and I synthesized something and I had like nine million full. And then when I was done, I had three million. I was like, <laughs> oh shit! I wasn't paying attention to how much this shit cost. Oh shit! Yeah, it really uh, goes up exponentially uh, as you when we, the 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 higher the class of the weapon, the more uh, cost to put the good ratios and stuff on them. Um, but yeah, that's basically the shops. There's not anything else on shops, for, is there? Nothing. Oh, the, uh, there's well, like... the ends have food, but that's kind of worthless. Yeah, you have to do the. There's a couple side quests you need to do, like you t stay at the inn and eat a certain food, so the monsters show up, which is very not. I didn't think it was very well. Like I didn't know what to do besides I had to look it up. Like how do I get this these worms to show up? And he he kind of mentions it, but you know I don't know. It's like you gotta eat the food. Well, so the issue is you the the food lasts five battles. Yes. And you buy the food, and then you have to run like two maps away, and you may get into five battles before you get to that the map the lo the spawn location. So if you do that, the food's gone. The buff's gone that you need to trigger the things, and that happened to me. And I was like, okay, I'm here. I ate the stupid food. What the fuck's going on? I got and you. I didn't realize it's because you had to have the buff still. And then uh, there's like, there's no indication on the on the world map, uh, like where you have to go to spawn these things. So one time when I, when I looked up the quest, I'm like, oh yeah, you have to eat this food and go to this part of the map or like, or go to this map. And then you will fight the worms. So like I fast traveled there and it put me at the top of the map, but you need to be at the bottom of the map. And so, mm. like, I fought, like, I went, I fought shit all the way down to the bottom of the map, and the shit still didn't spawn. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? So the third time, I just didn't fight anything. <laughs> when I got there, and the shit spawned right away. And I was like, man, this is some whack-ass shit. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, that's another thing we didn't talk about, is uh, there are side quests um, that you pick up through the game. And another thing that I didn't like is that to see your quest list, you have to actually go to the map. And I didn't know that for the longest time. Like, so you hit the map, and then if you look at the bottom, and it's it's very small depending on the kind of TV you're you're playing it on. But there's a triangle that says quest list, <laughs> and I didn't know that for like half the game. So. <clears throat> Well, I I read it pretty early on, so I didn't struggle with that. But it does it does suck that they kind of like have like why would that not be in the main menu? Yeah, like exactly. when you press start. 
Does have they have like they have a list for game data. They got a list for all kinds of random bullshit you don't care about. But why is it the side quests there? I don't understand that one. Yeah, and that's where I was looking for it. I was like, man, why don't they like? I'm a, I, I remember I was like going through all these like in the menu screen. I was like uh, cycling through the different sections. I'm like, one of these has got to have the side quest, right? And nope. So I, I think I googled that one too, but yeah. Um, and then I guess the unique thing is the Duma. I don't think there's any game kind of like that has a Duma system or like a little robot that makes you fly and battle and stuff like that. Unless there's something I don't know about, but that's for yeah, not not that I'm aware of. So it definitely, I feel like uh, uh, without the Duma thing letting you fly around, the like walking around the maps would have fucking sucked ass. Oh yeah, for sure. Cause these, because these the it, maps are huge. Yeah. Like I got Xenoblade Chronicles vibes from the, the maps, but it was just like way too fucking big and shit. And I'm like, man, <laughs> thank God for Duma, because uh, flying shit, flying everywhere was way more like it just felt, I guess, more liberating. Yeah, it's to not have to run on the ground. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, even if like it wasn't like I don't think it's any faster to fly. Like it might be marginally faster or something, but I felt like running was faster. But it just felt. It changed. It, it didn't feel like yeah. It didn't feel like it was walking on the fucking ground or whatever. Like it felt like I was flying through the air or what. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I think that basically wraps up the gameplay. Unless there's something I'm missing. You know, there's a couple. There's two post-game dungeons you can do, um, and they are definitely meaty, um, and they'll take probably 20 hours for you to go through those. Um. Uh, the other thing I would say you're probably missing is the private actions. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And those are um, well, there's so occasionally when you go to a town, like your party will split up, and you can talk to your party members as they're like NPCs. And sometimes they'll have like a, a little cutscene interaction thing, uh, and you get to know them better. And sometimes you can make a response that will improve their affection for you or lower it. Uh, and it's just like a little get to know your party members thing. But yeah. not required to play the game or beat the game or anything. Yeah, there is an affection system, so your ending will determine be determined on whoever has the most affection, and you get that by your private actions. Um, if you don't, uh, which I found this out in my second playthrough, if you don't have enough affection for someone, you'll just have this like generic ending with no one in it. Um, so that was interesting, but uh, but yeah, all your private actions uh, add up to. Uh, who your ending is going to be with. So, so that's what we're talking about. Who was the first ending character you had? Mine was Elena. Oh, cool. Mine too. I like I liked Elena as a character. Yeah. The AI that, like, you know, is kind of figuring out uh, being what being human is. I don't know. I always kind of like that kind of thing. And the, the relationship her and Ray had, I like that a lot. Because he treated yeah. him just like a normal person, not like an uh, android. So. It helped that, I guess, uh, he like she raised him or whatever. So Yeah. Uh, That's pretty cool. Yeah, there's a lot of the characters. I liked the like the one-on-one -on -one stuff a lot. Which I guess we get to more in, like, in the story and stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. We'll uh, story. So I guess we can go into likes and dislikes or you know, your final scores. Yeah, sure. So go ahead. What what do you think? 
Oh, ah, shit. <laughs> you want me to go first? Yeah, I mean, I go first. Uh, I mean, I feel like I kind of said a lot of the stuff I disliked already as we were yeah. talking about it. Yeah. Um, but really, as like, for stuff... If there's anything else you want to go over that we didn't touch, I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, for likes, I guess... I'd probably say... Hmm, I have to think about this. <laughs> it's a... Well, like, nothing really jumps out at me like on the gameplay. I like it. I liked the concept of SOL. I wish it was more challenging. Um, and it's a, it's like a, a pretty in-depth, like, mini game. I guess to have in a game, because uh, usually a mini game is just like some stupid like Flappy Bird shit, essentially like super, yeah. super basic. So this was, it was pretty cool, uh, to have like a tournament style, uh, like, board game in the game. Um, because like I'm all about board games and stuff like that. Um, probably all liked. Like I would say, I liked it because most of the other stuff was uh, like I don't say passable because it sounds bad. <laughs> but like it was the gameplay is fine. Yeah. Um, like I kind of already said, I was turned off by the combo chain system thing, where like how like useless it feels like you have a, it's like it's possible there's possibilities behind it but it doesn't feel like it's worthwhile to actually try to make combos because it's just more efficient to spam like one high powered attack over and over again yeah yep. um and the like i know there's some people that are probably really good at like exploiting the mechanics of these kind of games uh like this uh, and, ta and like Tales of games where they can like switch between characters and do certain moves and like juggle creatures and shit. But like that's a cool like tactical display. But for like me, I'm like I'm mainly pure efficiently based when I do stuff, and that's not efficient to me. The, the most efficient thing is to get the strongest attack and blow shit away as fast as possible. Yep. Uh, so like this combo system, if it doesn't make you have to use the combos to do like a lot of damage, then I'm not going to do that. So uh, that's another, I guess, thing I miss about the killer move system, because you can uh, like there's no like combos. It's like oh, I can have a a good move or a strong move or like a more situational move like, that does utility. And I can use them when I want while like I'm like we have them in between attacks. But this with the chain combo is like you're stuck with the three actions that you have in the combo. Like if you need to do like the first action and then the second action and then go back to the first action again, you can't unless it's tied to a different button. So uh, for me, it's kind of like eh, whatever. And then also being tied to AP, I don't like being restricted when I do things. That's another issue I had with like, Tales of Arise. Like they had like a similar AP thing. And I don't like, cause like there'll be times when you're fighting and like you're out of AP and your character just kind of stands there and it's like no AP. Oh, I'm just gonna sit here for five seconds. Like that's not fun to me. Mm -hmm. So uh, I prefer a more like smooth, non-interrupted kind of experience. Uh, and I guess in general, the, but like the game's like pretty fun in general, I would say. Uh, and I would give the entire experience like a three point five. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you on what you're saying. It's it's not a bad game, and I enjoyed it for the most part. Um, but I think the length is what kind of holds it back because it's too long. I think, um, and so you get tired of it after a certain amount of time. 
Um, for uh, action RPG, <clears throat> I'm not a, like the biggest fan of them, and I think it's one of the for me it's one of the top ones that we've played so far for the show, um, at least for well, the ones I've played. Um, so I enjoyed it. Having Duma definitely made it more fun than just like attacking on the ground. So that gave it a little different, uh, you know, kind of a different take on the uh, traditional action RPG gameplay where you have those blind spots or whatever, which is fun to exploit. For me, I liked it. Um, once you kind of got over the chaos, like at first it's just like chaos, you know, <laughs> when you start playing, you're like, oh, I don't know what's going on. There's just a little bunch of hitting and everything's dead. But after a while, you kind of figure it out and uh, and started enjoying it. I enjoyed like you know exploring the the world maps that were all big and beautiful and 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 awesome. I thought I mean some you know of course some are better than others. Um, the dungeons I didn't feel like were too long, so that I th- felt like they didn't have really any that were like super long until uh, you really got to the end game. Um, but even then, those ones are kind of the very very last. Uh, spiral one where it's like 10 in a row well, it's kind of long but um, <coughs> for the most part of the dungeons were per- I felt like perfect length um, whereas just when you're tired of them they're over so I like that part of it um, you know the Isola was was a good distraction one thing I didn't like is that um the only NPCs that really ever talk to you are ones that give you quests or um, are wanting to play a Soa. So that kind of I didn't like. You know, I'm coming from Trails, though. Like, I'm a Trails fan where everyone has something to say. Or this one, they don't. Um, that's more a personal thing. But Well, it is it is strange because, like, even on, like, Starship 1 and 2 and stuff, they, the town, NPCs in the towns, like, have stuff to say. So it is it is odd. Yeah, normally you have NPCs to help give the players hints of what to do next, and you know sometimes like I guess they didn't really. There's a where well, they didn't need that for this game because anytime you leave a town, they're like, "All oh, right, looks like we gotta head north across the plains to reach whatever town." Don't forget, if you go the wrong direction, they're like, "Oh yeah, by the way, we're going the wrong direction. It's easy to get turned around here, so remember, you gotta go north." Yeah, and it's shit. It's like, all right, it's annoying and good at the same time. Like I get it. You can't. It's, I guess it's kind of hard to like tune that into perfection, you know? Yeah, it's like it's not quite as annoying as like those games that like you're fighting a monster and it's like make sure to hit its weak point. Its weak point is behind the neck. Oh, don't forget. Yeah. Uh, because it's like they tied it into the like characters' personality personalities a little bit, and it's not like beating your head over, beating you over the head with it. Like you, maybe you haven't played in a while, and you're coming back, and you walk to the from the town into the overworld and like, all right, don't forget, we're going this direction kind of thing. So, yeah, and then uh, the side quests were, I don't know, I I didn't think the side quests were that good. They're all kind of like, meh. Like, they didn't really add to the the story at all. It was just kind of, get do this for me or I need help with this or, you know what I mean? It didn't really affect anything. Uh, So I think that was kind of a miss. Um... Well, I mean, the only games that side of that side of quests affect the game is Trails, man. So you kind of. <laughs> well, I know. I'm just. I have a high. <laughs> Everything in Trails like ties together. That's why I love that series so much because it's just like, it's satisfying to me when you like do it and it affects the game. So. 
it's uh like every time you talk we're talking about a game and you're like shitting on it for not having trail stuff i think of that uh like that seymour meme from the simpsons where like the principal seymour is like looking down and it's like pathetic <laughs> I feel like that's you we no, talked no, about no. It. These, are, I, these are the games i'm not i'm not I just I like what I like, and once you have like a steak, it's like okay, this is a cheeseburger. You know, it's good. I like it, but it's not a steak. You know what I mean? To kind of make it to boil it down to more basic uh, idea, but uh, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just not what I you know. I like more. Uh, I'm a little bit more uh, fancy than that now. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, I'm gonna score a three and a half because, like I said, it's it's a good game. Um, if you're just playing it to play a good RPG, uh, yeah, uh, I wouldn't probably wouldn't pay 60 bucks for it. You know, once it goes on sale, grab it, you know, have it on your backlog and one day you'll get to it. In my opinion. Uh, I mean, if you like the Star Ocean, I don't, I don't know, you're a Star Ocean fan, Nick. What do you think? Is it like, a you need to play it right away or is it kind of like, you know, when you want to scratch that Star Ocean itch, it's a good one to do. You pretty much got it right. If you're a fan of Star Ocean, you more than likely will enjoy this. Uh, if you're not a fan, it's definitely more of like a on sale kind of game. Yeah. Uh, but in, like in today's environment, uh, uh, economy, uh, to be fair, ninety nine percent of games are wait for sale games. So yeah, uh, it's not like it's it's not like a a negative to this game. It's just saying there are, there, like you said, there's stakes out there, and if you can get you can afford the stake at full price, it's probably worth your money. Yeah. This one. Uh, it's if you want to get a full price, no, no stopping you. Like I bought it twice technically, so and I'm not, I'm not upset with my purchase. I am happy to support tries. Yeah. Uh, and I don't like I don't regret the purchase. There's definitely been stuff I bought full price and then played it and like fuck man, I should have waited until this was five bucks. Uh, and I don't feel that way about this game. Now, so, if you're a trophy hunter, me, if you're a trophy hunter, I would say. Uh, maybe hold off on this one for a while unless you want to sp- spend like 100 hours on this thing. I think, uh, Yeah, I would say there's a caveat with that. It depends on the type of trophy hunter you are. If you eat nothing but the junk shovelware shit uh, that you, you spend like $5 on a game to get a platinum or whatever in like 10 minutes, not your cup of tea. If you're the kind of uh, trophy hunter who likes uh, like rare trophies or stuff like stuff you have to actually earn... Like, because this game makes you earn the platinum. Oh yeah. So if you feel like that's the kind of like stuff you'd like to have on your profile, then it's probably a good pick for you. But also, you it's not like sure it's you... not like one of those things that everybody can get yeah. essentially. Yeah, you have to have time to do this one. So. Well, it's like everybody can get it because it's not like hard, but it's you have to invest time in it. Yeah. So. Oh, there's one thing I have to say. Yeah, I forgot about. Uh, there's some irritation with dungeons. Because uh, some of them, uh, they have that annoying thing where you get access to the whole dungeon immediately, but then certain stuff is locked off, and you have to walk back and forth and backtrack. Like you unlock a you unlock a door, and then you walk back all the way to the to this other side of the dungeon to unlock another door, and you walk back all the way to another side. It's like fuck, man. Which one was that? Like, uh, there's a couple that did that. Um, the most recent one I could think of was the Scorpion thing. Oh uh, yeah, that one's the worst one. The no, not the scorpion one, but the integration uh, factory or whatever. Oh yeah, so yeah, there's both of them. Yeah, because the integration factory, you have to like find those damn um, uh, consoles and then activate the console, fight off enemies while you're doing the console thing, and interact with the console to get the upgrade key. Then like go back to another floor to unlock a door that was locked before, um, and then the scorpion spire had the like the broken down. Um, 
lifts that you had to look for the mm. the lift the hover orb for which was not as bad as the integration plant but it's still like you walk to one end you break a generator and that tur uh, that turns on another uh lift that you can go on to so you go on the lift you go up another level then you yeah. walk down another hallway you fight some more enemies and then you go up another lift and you go down the hallway and then you're like oh there's a lift orb okay you grab it and you go back down the lift back down the other lift find another lift that's broken put the orb on it and then yeah. go up another level to break a generator and, and then go back down the lift and it's like fuck man well i will say like, the the earlier dungeons are more fun than the the later dungeons and or there's this like maybe it's because you're not you know over the game yet but um i feel like every dungeon too had a kind of a unique vibe to it so I liked it, and yeah, at the end it was kind of yeah, the the one where you're just got, you gotta go, oh I can't go through this door yet I gotta get this key oh yeah I hate that one. that's the one I hate the most. Mm -hmm. Well, so I feel like the the design was at the beginning uh, like the first dungeons that are open so you can like fuck around with Duma fly around places yeah, and then as you get further into the game they become more like stereotypical I guess I don't know if that's the right word but like traditional dungeons yeah uh, where they're just linear backtracking heavy on the backtracking uh like make you do a bunch of bullshit to, i guess to, i don't know if it's to pad the game out at that point but it definitely takes away because you can't even like use duma and shit like you just fly straight through the hallway you can't fly up or nothing yeah and it's like all right <laughs> yep all right anything else uh no, i don't think that's it for me all right that... how about you no, I think we covered it, and I think that's uh, the meat, you know, the meat of this, of this one. But stories, yeah. uh, we have some meat in the story too. It's not like totally bare, but uh, it's kind of stereotypical. No, definitely some more stuff to talk about there. It won't be like another hour. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty linear, which is cool. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but uh, so I guess that brings us to our first musical break. Uh, as everybody should know now, if you've been a fan of the show, it is the main theme of the game, and it is uh, picked in honor of Brent, as it, he usually picks main themes, or would have picked main themes. Uh, I don't know what this one's called. I don't think we found it yet, but uh, <laughs> it'll be here. It'll be here when you listen to it, when the show goes live.
Alrighty. So that was the main theme. <laughs> Can't tell you if it was uh, good or not, because I don't know what the fuck it is. So, sorry guys. I know we're slacking this time, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, to be fair, uh, can't really find um, actual, like, uh, track, like OST tracks separate, because the only ones that are available on YouTube right now are, like, the full 6-hour, 45-minute compilation, and they're all, it's, like, in one video. So, uh, not fucking gonna figure that shit out right now. Uh, it's on Amazon, I found it on there. Or not Amazon, Apple. Well, I don't have access to Apple shit, so. Well, I just it's I googled it and you can pull it up. But I think the, okay, the I think it's called Star Star Ocean Forever Twin Beacons is the main theme. Interesting. You'd think it'd be the first song on the track list, but it's not. It's not. No, not according to the video I watched. The that one's a song I don't remember hearing before. Oh. Let's see. Uh, yeah. It looks like it's called Premonition. Mm. Oh, that's number four. Yeah, alright. So I guess this, uh, whoever uploaded this shit uploaded this shit in the, in the wrong order. I don't fucking know. Okay. But anyway, uh, on to the story. So, um... It's okay. <laughs> I think he said uh, something about the Borg in, uh, in the Discord, and I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? Because I hadn't gotten there yet. Oh, yeah. And uh, like, I have no frame of reference for Star Trek, so all I know is that the Borg are like half human, or like half organic, half like uh, tech things or something, right? They assimilate humans into the collective. Got it. Okay. And it's only humans, no other species? Well, I mean, humanoids. Got it. Okay. So it's like the, but this is like the Borg, but with like everything, I guess. So it's kind of, it's it's not exactly Borg, but like at, when I first like saw what was going on, I'm like, oh, it's a Borg story. Got it. But it's more okay. like Borg okay. versus Borg in this, like, yeah. Anyways. Interesting. Okay. Well. Uh, so we kind of touched on this before, but um, this game lets you choose one of two protagonists as your main character. Uh, the first one is Raymond Lawrence. The other one is Letitia Osirius. And so uh, Raymond's like the sci-fi uh, character, and Letitia's the fantasy character. Uh, like, I don't know. I feel like there's a better way to say that because like science fantasy and then fantasy. But you know, like I guess everybody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, one, I only play the guns. One uses swords. <laughs> well. <laughs> they both use swords, though, in this game. Well, yeah, but Raven's uh, sword, like, disappears. Yeah, he's got, like, fucking temporal, uh, like, storage or something. And I I was waiting for somebody to mention that, but nobody ever says anything about how he's just, his sword just fucking disappears. Like, I feel like that would have been a big thing. That was my big thing. Like, dude crashes out of the atmosphere into the into the uh the land and then like gets out of this space pod thing and then gets a sword and fights off a monster with it and then he just disappears the sword somewhere i've been like what the fuck what's up with that well yeah I, the, for I forgot that uh the other dude had it on his back in the beginning of the game mm-hmm 
I'm like, oh yeah, when I put started up the second my second run, uh, Al Baird had it on his back. I'm like, oh okay. So. Yeah, because uh, like all the the planet character, like the underdeveloped character, planet people, whatever, have their weapons on them at their all times. So then all the space characters like disappear their weapons and shit. So it's like I mean it's a it's a cool I guess touch or whatever, but it's still would be cool to explain that. Like I'm a big uh, like lore hound and and uh, and like the games I play, so I like to know the nitty gritty like how shit works. And I was waiting for them to explain this uh, space, time, temporal storage, fucking bag of holding thing. But um, you got your two characters. And the, uh, the the story for this particular game takes place apparently between uh, Star Ocean and Nemesis and uh, Star Ocean until the end of time. So uh, Star Ocean until the end of time is Star Ocean 3. Um, I think the, the the chronology is you have Star Ocean 4, um, Star Ocean 1, Star Ocean 2, Star Ocean 5. Star Ocean 6, and then Star Ocean 3. And then you have, like, the Blue Sphere and, 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 and Nemesis or whatever the fuck. Where the, somewhere in between that, all that shit. Don't really know that that much, but... Uh, in this particular time period, the Pan-Galactic Fe- Federation, which is, like, the space police, um, uh, is... has become corrupted from within um and there's like a they're like waging war against other like independent planets and stuff kind of like there's a cold war going on and one of those planets is Burgold where Raymond Lawrence is from and uh he's currently like on, or at the start of the game on route to uh deliver a uh mysterious package he doesn't know what it is to um a client because he's part of the like a merchant guild, his dad owns a merchant guild from Under Gold, and they transport stuff, uh, like uh, whatever the shit's called. Like I, I know the fucking word, but I can't. Remember, I think of the word right now. But like they ferry the transporters. Yeah, the transporters, but like the packages or the whatever the fuck the packages. There's no the word for that. Whatever, I'll just move on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they do that stuff, and they're on. A, he's on a one of the jobs, and they get attacked by uh, a Federation ship out of nowhere and uh, they get shot down and uh, his whole crew ejects from the spaceship and uh, they crash, uh, two of them uh, Raymond and Chloe crash land on this under, under, underdeveloped planet uh, the other people go in other directions uh, they're, never, they're never really mentioned anymore throughout the game uh, until like they, get, they all get rescu- rescued by Raymond's brother later on uh, but during the attack, uh, Elena, which is the family cyborg or android, uh, like stays behind on the ship and uh, kicks Raymond off because Raymond's trying to like save the package, uh, I guess. And uh, so Raymond thinks she might be dead, and Chloe and him uh, are like headed towards the planet. But uh, as they're going through the atmosphere, some lightning strike thing hits Chloe's. Uh, pod and she flies off in another direction and Raymond's left by himself and as soon as he gets out of the pod uh, he's attacked by this giant frog thing but he is saved by uh, a man and a woman and uh, you learn the woman is Letitia 
uh, Osiris, and the man is Albert Burkholm, and Leticia is a princess of the nation that he, or country that he crash landed in, and Albert is a knight in her service, and uh, Leticia's on a mission to save her kingdom from the neighboring uh, country, which is the Vale Empire, and she's looking for this uh, wise man that used to be part of her country that was uh, exiled and he knows how to do something that she needs to get done. Didn't really say right away. Um, and he says, uh, Raymond says he'll help uh, Letitia out as long as he uh, gets help finding his uh, crewmate Chloe, who's off somewhere else. And so that starts the adventure uh, of Raymond and or Leticia but depending on how you want to like determine who's the protagonist or not on this planet. Um, and essentially, you spend like the first chapter uh, going around doing random shit for Letitia's uh, like half, I guess, of the uh, the plot, where she's trying to find Midas, who's the wise man. And as you're going through stuff, like you're going, you're going through different towns, you're like solving different problems there, as per usual RPG fare. And one of the towns you meet uh, Nina, who is the daughter of one of the other wise men who has since passed away. And they don't really, and you do... they don't really explain like what happened, but basically Midas came up with like technology and like they're they make it like they make a way to make it seem as like that's they... not that's not the issue. The issue was uh, there was an accident with Albert and Letitia, and yeah. Albert lost his arm. And in order to save him, there was a another species of humanoid uh, from a different continent. Uh, they're called the Trathan or something. And her name's Malkia. And she becomes part of your party later. But she was in Osiris studying. Uh, they're doing, I guess, I don't know, like a cultural exchange thing. I don't fucking know. They don't really specify why she was there. But she was there studying. And she offered to save uh, Elbert's life, essentially, by giving him something called an Osseus stone or something, which is a part of the Trathan people. They don't really tell you what the fuck it is. Yeah. And with that, they make him a new arm that's, like, not, uh, like, a prosthetic. It's, like, an actual functional piece of his body at that point, and it grows with him. Um, but the people in Osiris... The tr the are, are are fucking racist or whatever the fuck the problem yeah. is they have and they said it's uh heretical to mix species stuff uh even though it saved albert's life and so what uh what happened when malkia did that was uh the three wise men also helped with the the transplant or the infusion or whatever whatever however you want to call it and because they all contributed to saving albert's life by that procedure they did, uh, they are all considered heretics, and they are going to be exiled from the country. And the only person that could stop it was King Osiris, but King Osiris uh, happens to be a coward and a pushover. And he just kind of, even though he thought it was wrong to exile them, and he was thankful for them saving Elbert's life, he exiled them anyway, because he's a, a pussy, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that earned the ire of all the wise men and Malkia. But the way they, so the... They, they explain it in the game is so obtuse and like you don't really like what's so bad and they don't really say it till like halfway through the game you're like that's it <laughs> so yeah. I'm like this is so I don't know like I get why uh, Midas didn't want to come and help because basically he got exiled for you know trying to help and he's like fuck you but uh, 
only reason he comes around like with you is because he's interested in you know the technology of uh, Elena. But anyways, yeah. keep going. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, her Letitia's mission, which you, you come to find out, is because Obered's arm's fucked up, and she the only person that she knows that well, might be able to fix it is Midas. And uh, so that's her. That's the reason that she's looking for him. And you run into Nina, and you save her town, and she joins you. Um, and you kind of get let because she wants to learn from Midas or something, right? That's the, her reasoning. Uh, she wants to cure Helgar's disease. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. which which is the z- disease that killed her dad. And it kills a bunch of people throughout the world all the time. It's pretty much like the Black Plague, as far as I am aware. And uh, so uh, her dad was studying on how to fix it, and she she wants to take over for him. And she wants to go to the royal capital of Osiris to access the library that they have there to get like research or whatever, so that she can hopefully find a cure for it. So that's her motivation for joining the party. Um, and then, uh, so you have four characters at this point, and uh, you get told to go to this port uh, and take a boat to uh, somewhere like another town or something, and where the the stepdad of Nina is uh, like that's the last known location of Midas or whatever. But you get there, and uh, the same problem that plagued the town that Nina was in, like these worm creatures that are like poisoning people and shit. Uh, have also like taken up residence there and they're also for some reason spreading Helgar's disease and you get to the town and i feel like it's a like a reflection of like covid lockdown shit because uh like this, this t- when you go to this town everybody is like uh, infected with Helgar's disease almost uh, essentially like a lot of the time people not everybody and elena notices this oh no hold on you find elena first shit that's right Hold on. So yeah, you're way uh, you you find out like you, you so you go to the town, the ship town, the first time, and they're like, "Oh, uh, there's an issue with the empire or something. We can't sell any ships." So then you have to take the long way around. So you go to this mountain pass, and on your way to the mountain pass, you see another um, uh, life pod thing crash into the earth. And before this, you had seen one crash in like at the very beginning of the game after you crash landed. Uh, and that one had Duma in it, so you go and save Duma. Uh, but this one's got Elena in it, and so you go to uh, rescue her. But for some reason, uh, her, all her like body parts and shit in the pod are damaged. So when you do find her, you have to like find replacement parts. And you meet Midas before uh, Elena crash lands. And the only reason that he agrees to accompany you is because they all see Atlanta crash land, and he's like, "Whoa, what the hell's that?" I want to know what it is because he's his his character type is like this uh, stubborn but super intelligent, like wise old man, even though he's only like thirty six or something. He's he's got gray hair, <laughs> <laughs> and his life's his life's already almost over. Uh, so he's all interested in whatever the fuck this is because uh, Raymond's like, yeah, I come from space and shit, and that's also one of my friends from space. And Midas is like, uh, okay, that's weird, but I'm kind of intrigued. Let's go. Uh, and he's able to because he's one of like the smartest people on the planet, uh, able to help uh, Raymond put uh, Elena back together using spare parts from Raymond's uh, dropship or life pod, whatever. 
And during this time, uh, Letitia and Raymond split up because there's like different stuff they want to do. Like Raymond's like, I got to repair Elena. And uh, Letitia, I think, is doing more research or something on something. I can't remember. So they split up. And during this time, each one of them gets attacked by like these purple dudes with horns. Um, and when they come back together, they report that they were both attacked by these random dudes. They and they think maybe they're connected to the Empire somehow. Uh, nobody knows why they got attacked. But you fix Elena, and Midas starts coming around to like coming hanging out with the party and uh, going to the capital with uh, Letitia. Even though he keeps saying he's not going to help fix Elbert's arm, because he uh, he tells them he can't because the technology that they need is like no longer within Osiris. Because they don't know, like the U.S. player don't know yet that it's actually like living flesh, sort of. It's like from a living creature, and so everybody is just led to assume that it's just lost technology and that he made it somehow, and but he just can't make it anymore. Uh, but then you end up going to the capital because uh, you decide that. Uh, you maybe can find more information, I guess, on how to fix Elbert's arm there. And uh, Midas is tagging along because he says he wants to study Elena more and he needs to be there in case something happens to her. Uh, but then you get to the capital. Oh, no, you can't go to the capital yet because uh, you. this is when you go back to the, the seaport again. And I can't remember why you go back to the seaport, but I guess, it, I guess it's because it's faster to take a boat there than it is to climb over the mountains. Because yeah, the mountains yeah, are supposed the, to be like super. Yeah, that's the boat. Uh, you have to take that boat. You're trying to take that boat to the yeah your kingdom, um, but then you have to go to the other seaport because they're all the birds are like shitting everywhere and it has the Helgar's disease in it. Yeah. Uh, so you get there and Elena's like, "Oh shit! Uh, the whole town's infected. Everybody wear a mask." And then you go to the clinic there, and the doctor's like, uh, "Yeah." Everybody is got Helgars for some reason. We don't know why. <laughs> and uh, Elena like stays and does some research, and then she figures out uh, that it's from the birds, and somehow they got infected. And while you're in the town, Midas gets infected. So you're, originally, your your party's just gonna leave and say fuck this shit. But uh, with Midas infected, uh, you decide that you're gonna have to make a cure somehow and uh, cure him and everybody else in the town. Which goes against the Pan-Galactic Federation uh, Universal Protection Planetary Pact thing, which says that uh, like advanced people from advanced technologies are not supposed to have contact with people on underdeveloped planets, and they're not supposed to like influence their uh, technological advancement in any way. But like it's an emergency, and Raymond's like, I don't give a fuck about this protection pact we're trying to save these people now and elena is like well you know we can't do this because it's gonna fuck up their t uh, technology levels but then she uh relents and kind of goes along with it because she looks at nina's research on Helgar's disease and determines that she's pretty much all the way there she just needs that little extra push so doing this won't hurt uh the, the planet that much uh it's and they don't know like it's because they don't know about bacteria yet and shit like that so she teaches nina and uh and the doctor there i think about bacteria and how to determine like like uh grow cultures or whatever and like figure out what kind of uh potential 
antibacterial agent works best and whatever and they figure out uh using nina's notes what plant would work best to cure helgars and they cure a bunch of people in the town and nina's all excited because she's like yay we've got a cure for helgars i'm gonna go we should go to the capital and tell the king about this and spread it around the country and whatever blah 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 um but as you're doing this the 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 everybody gets fixed but the the ships still don't are, are still, still aren't running because of random bullshit like uh on the seas i think there's like a, a like a uh the empire's ships are like in the water and like block it having a blockade or something like that yeah something with the empire and shit um so you have to go back to <coughs> the town where you got midas and then go across the mountain where uh elena crash landed and that gets you to the other side of the mountain where there's another seaport at and you go there and everybody is attacked by the guards there because Helgars is in this town too and they're not letting people in or out and the commanding officer there is named Theo who you learn is the cousin of Letitia and a childhood friend of both Letitia and Albert and uh, you tell him that you found a cure for Helgars and that you can cure everybody in the town you just need to find certain these herbs that grow on the mountain and so your party goes there and uh there's all these like the worm creatures there still and uh are, are, are not there still but they're on this mountain too and uh, there's like poisonous vines and poisonous shit through all the caves that you gotta like get rid of and deal with and you make your way to the top and there's another purple horned person but it's a female this time and she's like uh has this like a uh, impromptu science lab thing on top of the mountain and uh the party comes to find out that wh whoever's been making like spreading uh the helgars and the worms uh it's all connected here and for some reason they're like poisoning everybody in the uh the kingdom uh, with helgars and uh so then that's another like mystery you have to deal with here and uh, then you make your way back down and you tell Theo that, hey, uh, you found the, the herbs you need to cure people from Helgars. Now you need to go to the capital to, uh, I guess, explain that to the king. And he's like, all right, cool, but we still can't sell ships. So you have to take this shortcut across this plane or this path across the plains or whatever to get to the capital. And you do that. And you arrive at the capital. And, and I think the king is not there. He's at the front lines uh, of the like the border between the empire and the kingdom. So you end up talking to a bunch of the counselors uh, that are left in the, the the capital, and they tell you that the king's at the other place, and you can't go there. But your party's like, well, we're gonna go there anyway because we gotta talk to the king about the stuff. And then you also learn that's where Chloe was taken because she was found by. Um, the people on this side of the kingdom and they treated her as a an enemy of like spy from the empire because she can't speak english or whatever language that they speak here because her um communications device broke and the communications device is conveniently what lets people from space speak the language uh, of all the people here yeah so you make I your think, way uh, I, th I don't know if you said it or not the other reason they go to the capital is because that's where they heard um Chloe was too. I think it was like yeah, two part on that. Yeah, I think because the, the, when you go to the, the support, Theo's like, yeah, we found somebody that looks like you people, but we didn't understand their uh, they didn't speak our language or whatever, and so we thought they were she was a spy or whatever, so we put her in jail. Yeah, and uh, Raymond gets pissed off and shit, 
But uh, you end up getting your making your way to that border town, and you talk to the king, and he agrees to let uh, Chloe out. And uh, there's a happy reunion, and everybody's like uh, excited. And then for some reason, uh, somebody on the kingdom side does like a preemptive attack on the empire, and so the empire strikes back. <laughs> and, uh, it probably was like, <laughs> it probably was our spies that did it anyway <laughs> to start the. War. Uh, well, yeah, it's the guy with the green hair. I think was the spy. Yeah. And uh, so he uh, like has the people attack the empire, and the empire attacks back. And so the town gets taken over, and the king almost dies, and your whole party like escapes. Because they have advanced technology because of the horn people. Yeah, the horn people have given them guns and shit uh, that they're not supposed to have yet, and like these giant fucking cannon laser things that go onto their ships and stuff like that. So the the kingdom gets overpowered pretty easily. Um. And then when you get back to the kingdom portion, uh, uh, everybody learns about this uh, vehicle that Midas was working on. Called I can't remember what it's called. It's like, it starts with F. It's like a flying vehicle that only Simeomancers can use, and they want to use that uh, as a weapon against the Empire. And uh, in order to buy themselves some time, Leticia agrees to marry the the prince, or the, I guess I don't know if it's a prince, but the son of the em emperor of the empire, and that buys them like seven days or something like that. So they go, uh, they find out that there's a an ore uh, called like Leviatium or something uh, that can be used to uh, power up the flying machines. And that's only found on the continent of Nilbeth, and Midas has history with the continent of Nilbeth, and so you, you go there uh, as emissaries, I guess, to try to get the ore, and you meet up with the ruler of the Trathan uh, at the Ancient Coil, uh, which is, I guess, the, the big town for the Trathan people, and conveniently, underneath the town in the Ancient Coil is where the ore is. So uh, you agree to work with Malkia um, to because they're also being under attack by the Empire for some reason. So you defend her town from the Emperor's soldiers, and you go into the uh, coil. You find the ore, and you get you make your way back to Osiris, and you, your team starts working on like refining the ore to make the flying machines work. And it takes like seven days. Uh, it, uh, because that's the time limit you've got before Letitia gets married, and you go through the like you go through like I don't know it's like an hour long like not like waste of time essentially, <laughs> where the characters are like day by day being like oh we got some more progress on the flying machines let's do some random shit. So when you're doing the Nina or not Nina I keep talking about the Letitia side, um, basically you're going through you're in the Empire like like you're because you agree to marry him or whatever. And yeah, and it's the same kind of day by day thing, but you're like walking around the town, and that's about it. It's like the like it's such a drag in the story, like when you do, when they do this like one week or whatever to the wedding type thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they could have just been like a synopsis, like yeah, we've been working on the thing, we've made a lot of progress, and it's still not quite ready, but we're too late, so we got to figure out how to to save. 
the tissue without the flying machines. And then I guess conversely on the other side, just have her be like, yeah, I waited a week for somebody to show up. Nobody showed up. So I guess I'm getting married or something like, uh, I don't know what the point of this was, but I guess I'm not the, we're not writers for this game. So yeah. <laughs> somebody knew better than us or whatever. Uh, so yeah, so the, the flying machine, does it get finished? So you got uh, you and your party go to the uh, location of the wedding to try to stop it. And right uh, right before Letitia gets married, uh, Midas like uh, busts in with the flying machine and because they got it working. And you guys save Letitia, and like the squadron of flying machine semi-mancer people like uh, attack the town and somehow take it back over, which I didn't understand because it's not like it's that strong because like the dudes there still have guns presumably i don't fucking know yeah it was uh it's plot but yeah it's it's whatever and like so in the as you as you save letitia and start flying away she's like all right let's go on the offensive now and you all go and attack the town and uh the the purple alien dudes show back up actually i think it's just one i think it's just gaston and you fight him and uh after you beat him the green-haired guy that's supposed to be on your kingdom side shows up and he reveals that he's a traitor. He's been a spy for the Empire the whole time. And he's got a gun. And he goes to shoot uh, Theo, I believe, because Theo and his dad betrayed the king uh, at some point uh, previously. They've been also... Uh, they, they started a, an insurrection, and they're the, they're the ones that uh, did a preemptive attack on the Empire and caused the king to like get fucked up and shit because they're they've learned about the uh aliens uh the ver the ver varians i guess they'd be called uh the the purple people with horns they're from outer space and how they have superior weaponry and whatever and they're just like well we gotta give up uh our kingdom and pledge allegiance to the empire otherwise we'll be destroyed and they're like and to do that, we need to get rid of the king. Yeah, they don't think the king will, you know, he'll fight back, and they don't. They, yeah, he, yeah, he's not strong enough, or whatever, and the country's going to be at lost, or whatever. So, uh, but Theo like changes his mind, or you, you convince him to help, and so he helps save Letitia, and uh, the green-haired dude gets pissed off because he's like, "You were supposed to be on our side. Why? Why did you betray us after you betrayed them?" Uh, and well, so first, he goes to shoot Theo. Well, first uh, the other the horn guy was going to shoot someone, and then was going to shoot the king. Oh yeah, but he gets uh, his the gun gets shot out of his hands by Marielle, who shows up out of nowhere. Yeah, and she was so at the beginning of the game. She's she was one of the people on the ship, the uh, the Storia that shot down uh, Raymond's ship, and but the whole time she's like, no, we can't be doing this. This is wrong. And uh, she gets like court-martialed or something, <coughs> and so she gets removed from the uh, the cockpit or the not the cockpit, but you know the bridge, I guess. And then uh, so she shows up and saves the party from Gaston, but then they have like a monologue thing, and then the the green-haired guy shows up and he goes to shoot Theo, but then the king jumps in the way and gets shot, and. Uh, then Gaston teleports the green-haired dude away, and your party uh, takes the king and leaves. Uh, but then uh, you talk to Marielle later when everybody's safe, and you're like, hey, 
uh, I know you have a spaceship and you've got a med pod on it. You need to take the, you need to get the king there and save him, save his life, uh, because it's your fault that he got shot. So they they do that and like she violates the three P pact thing, whatever the fuck, against her moral code, and so she's got like a dilemma about that. But then she explains like why she's there, and her and like two other or three other people from the Federation broke out of like their lockdown or whatever they were in and stole the merchant ship. And they came to the planet to try to make amends to Raymond for shooting their ship down. And she uh, says something about like the Federation admiral or captain of the ship, whatever, was acting strange. And so was the rest of the crew. So she, they kind of hint at something going on behind the scenes. And uh, Raymond's like, all right, well, to make that up for me, you need to help me get revenge on the, the Federation guy. My brother's coming uh, soon, so I'm just going to hang out. I'm gonna wait here until he shows up, and then we're gonna we're gonna go back to Bergold, and we're gonna file a complaint against the Federation and stuff like that. Um, but somehow I can't remember exactly what happened, like how you get there. You end up uh, Raymond ends up be, uh, going on to the merchant uh, ship that Mariel L. Kenny brought, and they give him uh, captaincy of the ship because he's the only one with captain experience. And then as they're doing this, uh, this Scorpion. Uh, ship shows up, and uh, the kind of party kind of knows a little bit about Scorpion because they've heard the alien dude, the purple dudes, talk about it, but they don't really know what the fuck it is yet. And to be safe, they try to do this like a uh, eclipse maneuver where they stay on the up, complete opposite side of the uh, Scorpion ship to like not provoke an attack, but they end up provoking an attack anyway for some like uh, and nobody knows why. And well, it's because so their ship gets because the their actions deemed it was uh well yeah JJ says it later but yeah. at the time oh. they're like I don't know what we did to be attacked but we're getting attacked so now we got to abandon the ship again yeah and so they teleport back to the planet um and then uh Raymond's brother shows up and uh they go back they go out to his ship. But this time, it's not just the space people, it's the Letitia... Well, you missed the whole part the... where they fought, fought again. Be... Fought again. Oh, yeah, you go back to the... Um... You, you actually attack the Empire. That's right. So, yeah, you go back to... Uh... Is this, so is this before you get onto the virtue ship the first time, right? Yeah, right before you get on, yeah. they go and investigate first, and you go on that ship, and that's when they're doing the whole maneuver thing, and that's where uh, Letitia is with the girl horned one, and they like that's right. They do the ship first, and then you come back down after your ship gets destroyed, and they're like, you're trying to stop um, the king from getting away. You beat him, yeah. He still gets away onto the Scorpion ship. Um, cause he called the scorpion ship to come pick, like they basically called the scorpion ship because their original ship got, um, destroyed. That, that's the one yeah. that you're investigating. Um, and then you go, then Raymond's brother comes because the rest of Raymond's brother's yeah. ship probably would have got destroyed too. Got it. Yes. Okay. Yep. So you get onto <laughs> Raymond's brother's ship and you become the captain of that ship again. Uh, and uh, I think you have to decide whether or not you're going to chase down the Scorpion ship, and you you decide to. Well, yeah, you give the 
Leticia the option, like, she wants to come with you, but uh, Raymond's like, well, we don't want to just take you and then have everyone, like, think we kidnapped you, so you have to go back and ask for permission or whatever. Yeah. So that they, I... they do that, and then they do actually, everyone ends up coming, surprise, surprise, and then, uh, yeah, you, have, you go after the Scorpion ship. Yes, but then it's, I can't remember exactly why it happens, but then a Federation ship also comes, and they're like, hey, we need to talk to you about uh, like what you're doing here. In well, they're tracking, about... they're tracking the Scorpion, that's why. Yeah, okay. Uh, yep, so you intercept them, and they're like, uh, we need to share information about what you know about Scorpion, and you do that, and you decide to work together to attack the Scorpion ship, because uh, I think you learned there's a couple of them there. There's a couple of battleships or something. Well, they're attacking some and... other planet, right? Uh, well, they're not attacking another planet yet. Uh, you just uh, you learn like there's like the Scorpion battleships, and you're chasing down the Federation. Like the like the Federation people are like, yeah, we got some traitors or something, and we're gonna try to hunt them down because the Astoria crew, they they left on a ship, and they went with the Scorpion people. So this new Federation crew, the uh, f- was it the the Vel something. I can't remember. It's like uh, Admiral somebody. I can't fucking... <laughs> it's not important. Like He's yeah. not like an important character, really. Not... Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, but this guy is chasing down the Admiral Captain or whatever of the Astoria because they uh, like went AWOL or whatever. Yes. And they were talking about Scorpion and shit. So that's why he showed up because they were in this, this space. Uh, that's planet space or whatever the fuck. And well, uh, so you, some... you show your... Some point in there, I don't know if it's before or after this, but Duma explains what Scorpion is. I don't know if you want to explain that. Uh, yeah. So the, the thing I guess you got to remember about the storyline in this is that the Duma thing is like an AI, but it only talks when it says uh, it has something important to say. So most of the time, the, the characters ask it questions and it, it ignores them. But I guess because like they've had so much interaction with Scorpion up to this point, it's like, oh, well, I got to tell these people what the fuck it is. Well, that's not. And, well, I thought it was because that they didn't. They only want to talk to people they want to integrate with, and they didn't feel deem them worthy of integration yet. And then once they saw how Raymond and how he cared for Elena, that she, uh, well, not, that's when Duma considered them worthy of integration. And that's when. Well, yeah, but that's when Duma. Duma doesn't. But Duma doesn't say that till like the end of the game when she's explaining right before it dies or it yeah it's explaining right before it dies why it decided to talk to them yeah. but but at this point it's just like uh okay well um the scorpion is essentially like a it's like not it's not a machine race but it is it's a inorganic thing that integrates with organic life in pursuit of evolution yeah essentially and they all share a a networked like hive mind communication thing but each individual organism that joins uh, with scorpion also still retains their own individuality and consciousness they just have access to the scorpion network of information so it's kind of like having the internet i guess at your beck and call all the time but the internet's composed of like everybody else that's connected to the internet's thoughts and shit uh so to become part of Scorpium, you can integrate. There's like two, I guess, two forms of integration. You got your just physical body integration, and then you have also 
uh, like mind cyber mind integration, which is where you, uh, your consciousness gets uploaded completely completely to the Scorpion network. But the physical integration is only like your physical body becomes half organic, half inorganic, or, or whatever it is. What you're struggling with is it's nothing's really explained that well. So no, we're just kind of. Uh assuming a lot of the stuff too it's yeah it's kind of like implied or assumed but the explanation like it's very convoluted uh so i think like at this point in the game you kind of like lose the uh motivation like, it's almost like you lose the thread of what's keeping you going and you're like okay i guess he's the big bad and we gotta stop him now <laughs> em yeah emperor it boldor becomes the big you know he's the guy you're trying to stop the whole you know the whole game i guess and he goes kind of well he goes from being, he goes from being like oh he's trying to take over the, the this this world this uh, country to like now I'm going to take over the galaxy <laughs> so it's like it definitely uh, expands. Well, and they do a bad job of being like he's not the big bad because like oh we all serve a sovereign yeah and we can't wait to to further the centralist Scorpium ideology but then he's like actually the Scorpium consensus. Of the centralist is that I'm the true sovereign, and because the one that was appointed sovereign, you fight him because he's part of like the federation. Yeah, he's like he's a big head of the federation, like Remington, I think. And so you fight him and kill him, uh, along with Boldor, and then also Gaston and the other guy, Colonel Vengar or something. And so you kill all these people, but this is a little bit later, anyway. So, uh, <laughs> well, I guess uh, we can kind of. I always want to go and like explain like there's the central scorpion which want to integrate everyone regardless if they want to or not and regular scorpion only integrates people that agree to it and the one thing i didn't understand is that the horn guys um their whole beef was with regular scorpion because their whole uh, planet was integrated but then they were not, they did, didn't like it so then they joined central scorpion to do it to people that didn't want to. I'd understand the whole motivation. I, I got lost unless you understood it better than me. Uh, to my understanding, they had a flaw, flawed logic in that they thought they could join the enemy to overcome the enemy kind of thing, like take him out from within. Mm. So they thought, because Bulldor says this at the end, like when they die, they both get, like you kill them both. He's like, yeah, they thought they could uh, change central scorpion from within but that was impossible because just like 32 billion central scorpion or whatever the fuck number it is and the whole shared concept thing of the flawed ideology that scorpions have or whatever yeah but essentially they have so i guess their planet got uh visited by a duma and the duma is like hey scorpion is does this it does all these wonderful things and then you have like your purists, which are like the these couple of people, Gaston, Lola, and whatever. And then you have like a, like, I guess the other faction of the planet. And uh, from my understanding, the majority of people on the planet said, "Okay, yeah, we'll integrate with Scorpion." But your purists are like, "No, nah, this is a bad idea. Fuck this shit. We're out of here." So they left the planet and uh, crash landed on Astro Four somehow. And uh, for some reason, they had Scorpion with them, and they convinced the Emperor Boldor with their technology that they needed to become one with Scorpion 
for some reason and then i don't know if they became centralist scorpium at this point or like what the fuck happened but somehow <laughs> they were centralist scorpium aligned at, at this point and they recruited emperor boldor and then they called the centralist scorpium to the planet somehow but they didn't tell lola so it's only gaston and the colonel dude that are central to Scorpion aligned. I don't know how the fuck they got there, but Lola is still just pure, like, fuck Scorpion completely. Okay. She's like, she's removed from this. Because when they're like, they turn into Scorpion people, she's like, what the fuck? I was confused. <laughs> what are y'all doing? I don't know what's going on anymore, so I'm just going to keep Yeah, it's... I don't know, like, it, they don't really explain how the fuck they became Scorpion, Central Scorpion aligned, and why they brought it to the planet and shit, but they, they say their their thought process is they wanted to get into the Scorpion Centralist thing, I guess become higher-ups, and then disband it from within or something, and, like, convince the, the hive mind thing that it's a bad idea, actually. Uh, but then they fucked up by, by bringing Boldor into it. Because for some reason the Scorpion, Central Scorpion Collective decided that he would be the best sovereign, and he just was using them like tools. I guess I don't really know. It's it's not the most <laughs> logically uh, or even explained thing. Like they don't really explain much of that shit. They just say the Veer planet was integrated somehow, and they escaped. And they decided to become Centralist Scorpion to fight back against the Scorpion regular Scorpion shit. Okay. Now that everyone else confuses us, then let's keep going. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> um... Yeah, so you chase Bulldor, Gaston, and the Colonel dude off the planet. Uh, Raymond's brother comes, and you get on his ship, and you track, you chase down that the Scorpion ship that they, they fled to. The new Federation ship shows up, you guys exchange information about Scorpium, and you both go to attack the Scorpium ship. Uh, as you're uh, the, as you're getting there, you find out there's two battleships, and you disable them both, and you decide to uh, board one of them because you learn that's the one that I guess Boldor and shit are on. And you make your way through. You find Scorpiums, and you meet another Scorpium who's fighting Scorpiums, and it's JJ. And so uh, you kill the Scorpions attacking him, and you find out that he's been protecting these humanoids who are were on the ship originally because they're being taken to like the head Scorpion um, integration place, so that they become integrated into Scorpion because they they have chosen that they, to become Scorpion people things. And originally, uh, like the whole party's like, "No, nah, fuck this, fuck all Scorpion," but then like uh, Duma and JJ explain that. They're a regular Scorpion, and they're not Centralist Scorpion. And this is, I think, where you learn that there's the two factions. Because before this, it, all you know is that Scorpion is bad, I guess. Um, <laughs> so you agree to help JJ bring his uh, Scorpion humanoid people, uh, I guess they're refugees or something from some planet or something, uh, to the... Panoramia, whatever the hell the place is called, which is the Scorpion integration place. And to do that, you have to go through a wormhole. And so you do like this wormhole thing, which is interesting. But you get there, and uh, you learn that the 
integration plant is under attack by, like virtually by scorpion like central scorpion so they're trying to figure that shit out so the integration plant's not working and uh then as you're exploring the town you go through this like semi vr semi scorpion integration experience where everybody learns kind of like what it's like to be on the scorpion network uh and to be honest it doesn't look that impressive <laughs> yeah to me so i was like i don't see why anybody would want to become part of this and you kind of like you talk to JJ and you ask him why he became integrated, and he says like he had he pretty much had no choice. It was either die or become integrated, and so I guess he was like in a life or death situation, and he decided to integrate. And he said he's happy for it, even if uh, they can't. Like the characters keep asking Duma and JJ like why they integrated, like what's the benefits or whatever, and they're like we, we can't really explain. You have to integrate to understand kind of thing, which is. A cop out or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but there, uh, isn't a, there isn't a good reason. <laughs> yeah. Besides, so, like, I guess immortality, I guess, at that point. Well, they're still, they still, I guess, haven't, well, until you get Cybermind integrated, you still, I guess, have a physical body that can degrade or something. But because like, you kill, you kill, body, I guess, but. Well, well, so, like, you kill Gaston at the end of the game and they're like oh he's dead he didn't fully cybermind integrate so his consciousness is lost forever so he's dead so you have to like do that full like thing to be on the network but then also they say you can like unintegrate so what i don't know what the fuck that means like why wouldn't you just full cybermind integrate then and then if you don't want to do it anymore just unintegrate i don't so there's obviously some shit going on there's some plot holes that we just can't explain yeah um yep so you're on the the thing the you do like this vr experience kind of thing and then the integration plant like or the whole place gets attacked by central scorpion and you fight them off and then you can do some side quests to recruit jj where you rebuild the um <laughs> excuse me sorry Bless you. thank you uh you rebuild the like integration plan or whatever and you kind of repair the place, and JD decides to join you. I don't know what happens to any of the the plot or the cutscenes or anything if you don't have JJ, but uh, he he does show up in the plot sometimes and like the cutscenes, and he makes comments and shit. So I'm assuming he's just not there when you don't have him. He's, so, an, he's optional. I mean, oh yeah. Oh okay. Him and Theo are optional. Gotcha. You can recruit them at any time, even like post game, but uh, you have to do their quests first or whatever. <laughs> yeah, Theo is in jail, and you have to like go to like three people to get a signature to say that he's he can be released to you know his time served will be helping save the country or you know help helping Leticia when she goes into space. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, this is like a valid like reason. It's not just like oh. Uh, yeah, Theo's joining now. He's like, yeah. I think on Raymond's side, they'd like to, like, yeah, uh, Theo's staying behind to, like, help the country or something. And, you, and Raymond's like, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> um, the hell was I? Oh, yeah, so you save this place, you recruit JJ. Um, and then, uh, you learn about, I think, like, the Scorpion, like, battleship or something. And you go there to put an end to it because that's where Bulldor and uh, the Sovereign are. Oh no 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 no! Uh, the uh, you learn about Vergold being attacked, and uh, 
so you and your party go to Vergold because the Federation Alliance Scorpion, Central Scorpion are attacking Vergold. And you get to the planet and you learn that there's like a strike force of Scorpion people in some uh, museum cave thing where there was like a, the, the Simbo drive is created, which is like top secret technology of the Vergoldians. Yeah, they basically which want gives... to, they want to integrate the androids because they're different than everything else. They have some kind of unique property where they're like alive but they're machine. Well, I think it's like the Simbo drive gives them like unlimited energy or something, and that is able. And it's like small or something, so it allows them to have all these functions that they otherwise would not be able to have. Okay, gotcha. Because it's like it's like one of those. It's like a like I guess like the Iron Man um, reactor thing that he's got. Yeah, in his chest, his arc where it's like, yeah, it's like it's like the super power source thing, and nobody knows how it works except the the inventors of it, and it allows them to do all this crazy shit that nobody else can do. And so I think that what they wanted to do was they wanted to get the symbol drive so that they can further uh, like ex like go expand their evolutionary shit because the Virgoldians are able to have like all these powerful like cannons and weapons because it's not just for the um the androids it's like they have, all their tech is based around the symbol drive so they're able to have all this strong shit without taking up all the same space that i guess everybody else has to have for this equi like an equivalent technology or firepower or whatever uh and that's why the only reason why Vergold is like a major powerhouse i guess in the systems and able to resist the federation because they have the symbol drive or something yeah so uh yeah, the Central the Scorpion want it for whatever the fuck reasons, and so you go there to stop them. And uh, it, when you get down to the bottom of the the cave that where the secrets to the Simba Drive are, you fight uh, Gaston and the Colonel again, and then you fight Boldor, and then you fight Remington, and all these people are like Scorpion things. And the thing that we're, like confuses me so much about this this game and the villains is that half the time they're like. You see them in their scorpion form, and then half the time they're in their like their humanoid form, and I, I don't understand why the fuck it does that. Like, when do they transform? I don't understand. Why are they not? <laughs> why are they not the one way or the other way the entire time? But whatever it is, what it is. Uh, so you defeat Remington, uh, which is the like one of the head Federation officers and also the centralist sovereign. But then uh, you beat Boldor first, so everybody thinks he's dead. But then after you kill Remington or you defeat Remington, uh, Boldor gets back up. And he's like, you thought you were the sovereign? We, I've been voted as a sovereign instead, actually, because whatever reasons. And then he like kills Remington or something, like takes his data out of him or something. And then he's at this point been like Cybermind integrated. So he kills his physical body and returns to the Scorpion network thing. But everybody doesn't know that yet. Everybody just thinks they both just died. And so everybody's like, oh, cool. We stopped Scorpion, the central of Scorpion. Everything's fine now. And you head back to Astro 4 with everybody in tow because you're like, all right, well, it's time for you guys to go back to your planet and we'll go do our space shit and hash this stuff out. And Mariel's like, Astro 4 is probably going to become a protectorate planet. And that means. The Federation will be watching you guys and making sure you don't become too technology advanced or whatever the fuck. And then, surprise, surprise, you get back to Astro 4 and there's some Scorpion shit there still. 
And uh, so then your party's like, okay, well, let's deal with the scorpion thing. Uh, because uh, it's like this giant scorpion spire thing that's above Nilbeth, and it's attacked that continent and taken over there. And it's like above the ancient coil, which is where like the special ore and kind of knowledge is and shit, whatever on this planet. So you go to the Scorpion Spire and you fight your way up. You like fight Gaston again, and you kill him. You fight the Colonel again, and you, I guess, seriously wound him, but don't kill him, because uh, Lolo shows up uh, later on. And then you fight Boldor again, and you kill his physical form again. But then he retreats into the Cyber World, and Lolo comes up. And, so, and offers to watch everybody's bodies because the only way to get into the cyber world is to become like cyber themselves or whatever. And so they have to transfer their consciousness. This is the entire party using Duma into the cyber world of the Scorpion schedule central Scorpion. And at first, everybody's like, "No, we don't do that because our physical bodies will be like at risk." But Lolo shows up conveniently to be like, "Okay, I'll watch you guys' bodies while you're in there." <laughs> And uh, so you all go into this cyber world thing and everybody kind of gets split up for at first and you slowly have to get all your party members back and you fight some bosses and you go through some random areas to like unlock new doors and shit. And uh, while you're going through all this, this shit, you get like flashbacks of like Boldor's like past where like his wife died from uh, Helgar's and she was like a, an Assyrian princess at one point. So... And like there's like beef between the Empire and Osiria because during this big outbreak of Helgar's when the Queen was dying, um the Osirians refused to send the Atromancers to the Empire to help cure Helgar's because they were also suffering from the Helgar shit. So like that's that's why there's animosity between the two countries. And then like you have another flashback to where Boldor meets Gaston and the Colonel. Valange, I think is his name, if I finally remembered. Um, and they talk about how like space is great and all the shit and Scorpion's cool and you should do all this stuff because otherwise uh, you, the, the planet's fucking screwed and shit like that. And so that's why he's like, oh yeah, I'll do Scorpion shit. <laughs> um, yep, and then you get to the boss fight and you beat Boldor and then uh, everybody has a happy ending <laughs> essentially the uh asked for becomes a protectorate of the federation and depending on whose ending you get like uh you get a little bit of information about everybody uh after like the end of the game um and so each character does different stuff and uh, uh that's about it yep. i think yeah i think you got it for the most part yeah i missed i mean i missed some stuff but most of you got the gist of it. <laughs> the gist. I mean, it's, it, that's basically it. And um, I guess my problem with the story is it gets so convoluted that you stop caring, and you don't know the motivations of everyone, and it's not terribly interesting. I guess after a certain point, like once you're like, oh, there's a whole like Borg thing going with integration and motivations and all that kind of stuff. And I'm, I was just like, okay, time to finish the game off. So, well, so when you're playing as Letitia, do they say early on that the reason they're looking for Midas is to fix Elbert's arm? Yes. Okay. So, because like when you're playing on Ray's story, they keep that hidden almost the entire first chapter. They're just like, oh yeah, 
There's an important reason we're looking for this dude. The whole reason you run into Raymond is because they're looking for Midas. And so it's like yeah. it's like the very beginning of the game they say they say that. They might say like his last name or something. They might not say Midas. They might say like the one of the wise men or something like that. But yeah. But they say it's because his arm's fucked up. I thought it was to help the kingdom or something, but maybe it's for his arm. I don't remember. Uh, well, they are like super vague about it. That's why I was like curious because I was going to say that they, they spend a lot of time with the story being intentionally vague about shit that they don't have to be vague about. And I don't know if that's because they're trying to like lean on that to be, oh, mysterious, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, keep playing to find out kind of thing. But like it would have the same impact if they're like at the beginning of the game, but like, yeah, Albert's arm is like a prosthetic and the only person that can fix it is this dude it's like okay cool let's do it but instead they're just like oh yeah there's we got to do something for the kingdom we got to help out uh we need to talk to this dude and bring him back and so uh they kind of do that and then they do that with like the scorpion shit we're like oh the scorpions doing scorpion stuff what's going on what is scorpion why are they doing scorpion things what are, what are they fighting for and shit and uh, then they still don't really explain a lot of stuff that they bring up. So it's weird. It's not like you don't like I didn't feel like I finished the story. And I was just like, OK, the story's done. Yep. So. Uh, yeah, go on a grade it. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's uh, well, I. The story itself, I would say, is like uh, probably a two and a half, maybe a two. No. But I do like the characterization uh, because that's also included in this section. Um, and the way that the characters interact, it definitely felt like they were not like trails level of like people getting along together, but it definitely felt like each of the characters had a personality. Yeah, and they weren't. They weren't... Just, yeah, they weren't just like reading off a page. It's like there was some. It felt like they're really interacting with each other and. Yeah, they felt like real people. I didn't feel like, you know, just some... yeah. Like they had they had multi multifaceted personalities as opposed to like the obvious comparison here, like Tales of Arise. Each one of those characters felt like a one note character, like a trope. Yeah. Whereas the characters in this game, uh, like you said, they felt alive. They had motivations, and it it felt like each character served a purpose. Like I guess in the party. Yeah. Except maybe Nina. Nina, Nina kind of was just there, but you needed a healer. So. Well, Nina was there until they cured Helgar's disease, and then she didn't matter anymore. Yeah, essentially. Like she was like, "Oh yeah, I'm coming along to help figure this out." And then like they figure it out in the next town, and then it's like, "Well, I guess you're coming with us for the rest of the way." They don't. She doesn't. She doesn't go like. She didn't have to keep coming along. You know what I mean? She could have been like, "Well, yeah. I don't need to go in the space, guys. I was just here to figure out Helgar, so I'm good." It's like. At that point, though, she's like part of the crew, yeah. so that kind of makes sense because she's like, she's invested. With, in she's been world. with them, yeah. So for me, uh, considering like all that stuff, I'd probably give this section a three. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go up to two and a half. Okay. Because, like you said, like the the story is all overall convoluted. Uh, I think they didn't marry the fantasy and the sci-fi very well. It was just kind of, like, pushed together, you know? Yeah. Um, there wasn't a very good, like, reason why Boldor became the supreme leader or whatever. It just it just because he, like, his personality was that or something? I don't know. 
the uh, plot required it because yeah. he's the only leader type character we met in the in the plot. Yeah. So who I didn't think that was a very good choice or whatever, and so it was like a, it was fine. The game was fine. It was just like I never felt invested or cared about the the whole story of what the group was going through. I guess. Yeah. After, after after a while, I was like, I don't care anymore. Like the characters are fine, and uh, the the interactions are fine. I, I I didn't like skip anything when I was playing the game, but like the second playthrough I did, I'm like, there's not much more they're really give me here, so I just started skipping things. Uh, besides the neat okay. part, or not besides the Letitia part, I I did go through like those parts, but like besides like the, her specific things, there wasn't anything different when she's the yeah when she's the main character, so. Yeah, um, uh, I mean they can't change too much, I guess. So. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's fine. It's not bad. It's just um, I didn't get hooked by it, I guess. So that's two and a half for me. That's fair. All right. Well, that brings us to the second musical break. Uh, this is my first pick, and it is a remix of Incarnation of Devil. And if you've been following Matoy Sakurava for as long as I have, then you know this is just another one of his uh, songs in his repertoire that he puts in every one of his fucking games. And uh, it's fine with me because it's a fantastic song. And that's why I picked it.
Alrighty. Visuals. <coughs> uh, I guess there's two things we could talk about here for the visuals. <coughs> Excuse me. Goddamn. It's uh, one is the, like the like the key art for the game, uh, and then the other one is like the actual in-game visuals. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like uh, mainly this applies to Raymond. Like the art you see of him looks okay. Like it doesn't look like there's anything weird. But then like in-game, he's got like weird small eyes. <laughs> and they're like far apart so he looks kind of like a neanderthal i guess but then all the other characters look normal and I, it's so weird i don't know why they did that but that's uh everything else it, what's that man that's his species i don't know well but like his brother looks normal too but his brother and his dad looks normal so you can't tell what he looks like well his brother also has a shaved head kind of but then like random strips of fucking long hair and i was like what the fuck kind of haircut is this dude <laughs> Yeah, it's bad. Like, I don't, and Chloe is like all about that. She's dripping wet, talking about Antonio all the time. And I'm like, I looked at him. I'm like, you like this? <laughs> this dude looks fucked up. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck's going on with this haircut. It's the worst haircut I've seen in my life. Yeah, JJ looked cool though. Oh yeah, it was pretty sweet. <laughs> I like that how he had like a broken eyeball, kind of, yeah. and like a scar over the eye. Like I guess it was just like an aesthetic thing for him because he's uh yeah, that's why he looked like in real scorpion. life and that just carried over to his uh scorpion form. Yeah. Um as for like the actual game itself, I I played on PS4, so I think you played on PS5, right? Yeah. Uh so for me there was like a lot of popping. Uh like when you're in town, the uh you have to be like within 20 feet, I guess, of an NPC for them to show up. So that made like exploring town a little a little weird because like if you're looking for an NPC and I just have to wait like a second or two seconds for an enemy to, or an NPC to pop in so it's like not a big deal but uh, being limited by the console specs kind of sucked a little bit because a lot of the stuff like uh, the flora on the overworld popped in occasionally which mm. to me not a big deal I don't really give a fuck about that stuff um, but I did that. also notice what's that I didn't have any of that pop in. Yeah, so definitely, definitely, this game's made for the PS5, uh, or or the Xbox, I guess Series X, whatever the fuck the new one is for the Xbox yeah. or or PC. Definitely not for the older generation consoles, but you know, it's still playable. There was no, I didn't have any like slowdown or anything like that playing the game. So, um, I mean, they did a great job, I guess, getting it to run on the PS4 and stuff. It's just and, uh, and the towns and the environments, everything looks really good. Yeah, I will say that uh, on the PS4, at least, some of the textures. In the open world, it looked a little rough, but I guess that's also still probably PS4 stuff. Um, yeah, I didn't notice anything. But then, uh, when you got to like the end game with like the spacey stuff, that all looked very sleek and uh, like well constructed and shiny and like definitely like futuristic and stuff. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, like on the ground, on like you know the capital city, like there's different block and rocks and bricks and stuff. It looks. I mean, it's. If you look, actually take a look at everything, it looks really, really good. So they did a really okay. good job on that. Um, my only complaint is like, you look at the like the cover art or whatever, and they look like real people. You know, I don't know the the drawing version of them looks way better than like the in-game models. Yeah, I think the in-game models kind of are not well designed, or like they could have done a little bit more. To make it more either more realistic or more cartoonish, it's kind of like somewhere in the middle, you know. For me, and I didn't, I didn't think that looked particularly great. So, besides the character models, I thought it looked great. 
So. I will say there's one character that I had like a weird issue with, and that was Elena, like because her outfit oh. is like that's for the t- like her. I, like I know I know why they did it, like fan service or whatever. But like, and, and I know she's an android, so she I guess wouldn't care. But her pants are like form fitted directly to like her asshole and shit. <laughs> and I was like, this is super weird. <laughs> Yeah. Nobody wears clothes like this. And like then her like top is open with her tits out. Mm-hmm. I'm like uh I was like is this how she's been in her entire like Raymond's entire life because apparently she raised him as a kid and he had this as a role model I guess like or like a life partner or whatever, whatever the hell. Yeah, no other girl like, has nanny. Ch- no other girl has a chance if <laughs> he's raised no. her. <laughs> he has a very high expectation. So uh yeah, but yeah, yeah I think like the monster design was pretty cool and stuff. For yeah, the most part, there were some like recolors and stuff, but uh, not not that many. The variety I think was limited, but they look good. It's I mean everything looked good. Every yeah. like, com- couple areas is like a re- recycle of a uh, monster. So, well, I mean it's kind of your typical. It's not anything. Uh, mm-hmm. for your I do also think like the they did a decent job or a good job on like the different biomes. Because, like, uh, even if, like, the, like, one part, like, one map you're in, like, one region uh, is, like, like, green plains or whatever, and you go into another region, and it's also, like, green plains, but it has a different feel to it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it didn't look samey in each of the areas that you went to, which yeah, I think is... Distinct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's very hard to do, because a lot of games just kind of like, uh, this is just another dungeon, whatever, or another cave, and it looks the same everywhere you go. So I think all the environments looked very distinct. And that was uh, very much appreciated, and it was. And it, it's, and they did it without having to do the, the relying on the whole. Oh, here's your fire dungeon, here's your ice dungeon, this is your forest dungeon. Shit. So, uh, that was pretty, pretty nice of them. Yep. I mean, they did do that, but it was like better. It was well done. Yeah, it wasn't like obvious, like oh, super. Like, oh, so this is the the you're, of course thing on the mountain. So here's your snow stage. It made sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they transitioned to each other pretty deep, pretty good. Oh yeah. So. Um, uh, I don't really have any complaints on this. So yeah. for me, the visuals is going to be like a four. <laughs> uh yeah, I'm close. Uh, I'm three and a half because, like I said, the 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 world looks good, but some of the characters that, like you said, Raymond, like he's your main character, and he looks the worst probably. <laughs> Yeah. So that's kind of like, what are you doing? His hair, he looks like a raggedy, like raggedy Andy dolls. His hair looks like that, you know? Like, it just kind of looks yeah. like he doesn't washed it, you know? I'm like, what? Why? Like, I don't understand the design, but whatever. Uh, there's probably some kind of story to it. It's just, uh, yeah. Yeah. Who knows? It's JRPG shit. They do weird shit. So. Uh, let's see. So that brings us to uh, music slash voice acting. And uh, I think I, I mentioned this before, but the composer for this game is Matoi Sakuraba, my personal favorite composer. And uh, to me, the OST did not disappoint. Definitely not his best work, in my opinion, because I I guess I'm also jaded with with uh, like modern game soundtracks, because they all are so, I guess, bambostic. Mm. And they include so many instruments and shit, and they make it sound, like, all orchestral. And to me, it, like, 
it misses that personal touch that um, older like older PS One games and stuff had, where they were working with limited like resources and they really had to do stuff that made uh, the music stand out uh, in, in like a unique way. And uh, like the I think the main battle theme is forgettable. Like it's like it's like some hard rock thing uh, that doesn't really like inspire fired me in any way yeah like it wasn't really catchy it's like uh you could probably like you could go listen to this or whatever or like the the song afterwards and it's just like very generic rock sounding i guess i don't know it's like it's hard for me to describe like i can hear it right now in my head and i mean it's whatever <laughs> i don't know did, like did anything stand out to you in particular uh, this is the song that I picked, uh, the one from Nilbeth, like with the kids kind of singing in the choir or whatever. Like, okay. uh, I always just like it's it's it was something we like different, so like always stood out every time I was like going through that area. I was like, oh, yeah, that song's unique to me at least. Yeah, and I was like, okay, that's gonna be my pick. So okay, <laughs> um, I I thought everything sounded good. I didn't think anything was like terrible. Or like put me to sleep or anything. So yeah, um, but yeah. Overall, sounds really good, uh, and the voice acting was really really good. Like they definitely had some A plus actors there. So nothing, no one sounded sure. like they were reading off a page. They all were acted very very well. So they're probably like all experienced veterans that do all the video games or whatever. But they're really. Well, I don't know. Like I, I watched the credits and I watched, like I looked at all the voice actors and I didn't recognize anybody. So. Oh. That's good. I think they got some like no name talent, like that, like not to be mean, whatever. Like I, but it, uh, they did a really good job. Whoever, whoever, wherever these people came from, I don't like. I don't recall hearing any of their voices in any other production. Like I know if Travis was on here, he'd be like, "Oh man, the person that voiced it, voiced fucking Midas was also in this thing, and I fucking hate that guy. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. everywhere." But uh, I don't, they all sounded great to me. Like you said, uh, everybody did a great job. Yep. So, uh, I would probably give this section a four as well. Yeah, I'm gonna give it four too. It's good. I think like okay. the, the modern games nowadays, like uh, visuals and uh, and music are like three and a half to fours. Like unless you really suck, like unless it's really really bad. Like I think mm -hmm. they kind of figured this part out on games for the most part. Yeah. Unless you have some really kick-ass soundtrack, but I think they're all like three and a half and fours, like for modern gaming. I could definitely agree with that. So, I mean, this is kind of like the past few, like the past couple years of the ones we've been playing. Like, I haven't really been like really turned off by visuals or voice acting. Yeah, but also like I guess like I was saying, uh, it's a lot of this just feels samey because um, it's all formulaic and it's hard to find something that has like real parts to it like yeah. like for example like the breath of fire free soundtrack uh that is super like it has so much personality because it's got that jazzy feel that you don't ever hear in any uh, game at all and so it really stands out and then i think uh a lot of sakura was older stuff he, uh, I guess, maybe was trying more because he had to. 
but now he's, I guess, got guaranteed uh, gigs at these places and maybe phones some of the stuff in. I don't really know. But uh, I mean, it's like, but like I said, it sounds great. It's just not uh, amazing. Yeah, it doesn't have like, it doesn't carry the game or anything like that. It's just, it's just part of the experience and that's fine. It's no one winged angel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that one where it's like, yeah, when you hear, when you hear that, you're like, Sephiroth is here. You know, fuck yeah. So that's why, <laughs> you know, when you're playing the uh, Crisis Core, it's like, mm, yeah, give me some music, baby. Hear that piano going? Yeah. Well, that's that's how I like. I know we're not talking about Valkyrie Profile right now, but that's how I feel about the soundtrack for Valkyrie Profile. Like each area that you go to has the soundtrack provides so much character for each like uh, location that you're in yeah uh and most like i would say i listen to 95 percent of the songs in that soundtrack every time i listen to it like there's some that i skip over and it's usually just like the town themes because i fucking hate town themes right they're all like they're all boring uh like, and that's in almost every game i play like for some reason it's just like i, I guess it's obligate obligatory to have the town theme just be like easy listening or something yeah because you're which in makes like which makes sense yeah but, uh, yeah, I guess that's, uh, so that's the, those two sections done. We'll move on to Musical Break 3. Uh, this one is your pick. Uh, yeah, like I said before, it's called Eternal Heat. Uh, it plays a Nilbeth, and as you'll hear, it's kind of, uh, it's different. Like, it's kind of, it's not something you normally hear in a, in a video game, I guess. It kind of seems like, almost, almost like a holiday song where there's, like, just kids in a choir singing. So, I don't know. It, it I liked it, so... Here it is, uh, Eternal Heat.
that brings us to overall experience. As Brent would say, it's expectations versus reality. Uh, but uh, I don't think Kevin and I really go by that. I don't. Really, I don't really know. Uh, I do. Each I, kind I, of just. I include that in my overall. Like I, that's part of my overall. It's not the only yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Same for me. Like it's to me, it's more involved than that. But it's it does. It does, I guess, kind of describe the section well enough that it, it's an apt description. Yeah. It's just not all-encompassing. Yeah. Yep. So, um, overall experience. I guess you can start first if you'd like. Yeah, uh, I hadn't played a Star Ocean game, like I said, since 2, so I didn't know what to expect. I know you love the games, but I know there's been a lot of disdain uh, reading online about the ones after 2. Some people like three or four, and or like three and hate four and five or something like that. Um, but I didn't have an opinion on any of them, so I knew I kind of liked two back in the day. Like uh, it was fine, but I didn't like get really into it. You know, it was just one of the RPGs of the time, and I played it and I liked it, um, but not enough to like play it twice to do both sides and all that kind of stuff. But um, I really didn't understand crafting then, so I I. No, I wouldn't understand. Uh, if I played this back then, I definitely would have been lost. <clears throat> but anyways, um, I kind of didn't really know what to expect, and like you know that you know what the story beats are going to be. I didn't really know. Uh, I felt like it took too long with the uh, fantasy part before they got to the sci-fi, or they kind of miffed it. Uh, I don't know. Overstayed its welcome, maybe. Um, but I had a mostly enjoyable time. Uh, I didn't hate it, uh, till I started doing the trophies, but not, trophies aside, um, I had a decent time with it. Um, if you like store, like we were saying before, if you like star ocean, it's a game for you. Uh, if you're just RPG fan like me, you know, I wouldn't say it's something you have to play. It's, it's a good game though. Uh, and you'd have fun with it. Um, so my overall is probably it's between a three and a three and a half. So, uh, three and a half. Okay. Okay. Overall experience. To be honest, uh, wasn't like super excited about playing this. Uh, What's the only reason. Game? I picked it because you're like, what are we going to play? Star Wars next? And I was like, oh, I have it. Why not? Okay. okay. I thought you wanted to play it. That's why. Uh, I mean, I wanted to play it eventually. Um, did I want to play it for the show? I mean, it's... I don't really, like, choose things to play for the show because, like, I'm like, oh, this would be a great thing to play for the show. Usually it's like, man, I've really been wanting to play this game and I need an excuse to make myself play it. I got you. Kind of thing. So, uh... I do think it was a good pick for the show, though, because it's still so it's like it's a it's a modern game, and I don't usually pick modern games. Yeah, and it's uh, one of my uh, favorite developers. So uh, any chance I guess to give them more eyes on or whatever the hell you call it uh, to make I guess make maybe have people buy it and help support them right. is a good thing. Um, but that all being said, I would probably say, like you said, or we said before, 
if you are a fan of Star Ocean, uh, I definitely would recommend this, especially if you were disappointed in the last couple of games. However, as a general RPG enthusiast, you're not missing out if you don't play it. Um, it's not challenging enough to be in the main story to be like, oh yeah, it's a, a worthwhile challenge to play the game. The story is not really super compelling. And, uh, I, but I also on the same end don't regret playing it. Yeah. So it's like one of those things where it's just like, it's, uh, it's okay. Yeah. It's definitely one of the better games we've played for the show. Yeah. Um, and I would probably uh, play it again on the PS5 just to experience like the better, I guess, graphics and load times and all that shit and get those trophies again. <laughs> well, I think when you uh, upload them, you get all the trophies. I don't think it auto pops. Uh, I'm not sure if the safes stays over, but I'd be willing to try that out because I do like auto pops. They're nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, all that being said, uh, I will probably give it a four overall because, uh, like I said, I had—I mean, I had a good time playing it. I didn't have a bad time playing it. I had more fun than not fun. There were some lulls in like the game, uh, and that's, I guess, to be expected in an RPG. Uh, but I did have uh, a lot of fun through the main game. I haven't finished the like post-game stuff. But I'd have fun like finding new like tricks to like get overpowered and stuff like that as I was playing, and uh, to me that's an enjoyable thing to do. And the fact that it, the game lets you do that is pretty nice instead of just like really restricting all that to post game. So uh, yeah, four overall for me. Cool. And uh, moving on to replayability slash extra content. Uh, this one I would probably say is going to have a lower score for me. Because I don't know that the game itself is super replayable, but the post game is super in depth, at least according to you, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and as I haven't really experienced this post game yet, I'm not sure I can really rate it very well. Mm. Uh, but knowing post game in other Star Wars games, I can say fairly confidently. Uh, that the post game is like the real meat of the game, in that you have to like I think I said before, really kind of understand the systems, know how to exploit stuff, uh, to make the most of your characters or your builds or whatever you want to do, if that's what you want to do. Um, and as for like replaying the game, the game itself drags a lot in some places. And you don't really, like we said, the story is not super inspired or whatever. Uh, so I guess overall, I could probably give it a 2.5. Maybe, th oh, I'll go to 3. I'll give it a 3. Yeah. I mean, that's still high compared to what we normally rate it. Yeah, usually it's a 1. <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> for my experience is the post-game, there are two post-game dungeons. One, the first one, well, you have to get through one to get to the other. Um, one of my gripes is that they don't really tell you anything about it. You just kind of got to figure it out and find for yourself. And if you play the Letitia side, you don't know anything about the spiral because you don't have to do it. So it's kind of lost on some people or that post game dungeon is because like 
you know, when you go get those crystals, you don't do that on the Letitia side. Because you leave before Raymond does. And and that's when she gets, like, put in jail or whatever. Um, but anyways, uh, you, you go back to that, and you, there's another dungeon below there. And it has four other sub-dungeons that you have to beat before you fight, like, uh, this little... This uh, Gabriel Angel guy. And you have to beat him three times to get the trophy. To then open the path to the Ethereal Queen. Um, which is another spiral you gotta go through. And it's 10 floor or 20, 24 floors. And you have to do that three times to get that trophy. Um, and then the crafting trophy. You have to get like 90% of all the items. And that can take a really long time to get enough money to do that. So there's a lot, a lot of extra content uh, on that side of it. And of course, yeah, you can replay the game a second time to get the other side of the story, which, like we were saying, the story's not that great, so there's not really a compelling reason to, unless you, like, I love this game. But other than that, it's kind of... you're not re- It's not really much there that you're missing. Like, it's just explanations that they don't explain to you because they want you to play the other side of the game. So... It's like all assumed, and it's like, oh, okay, it's what I assumed it was going to be. It's not nothing like earth shattering or anything like that. Um, that being said, there's a lot to do, so I'm going to give it a three as well. Yeah, it's it's rough because like the replay the, the replayability extra content part of the game is like post game, and that's where all, all the like the real I guess like meat and potatoes is, and getting there is just kind of the drag. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It depends on what kind of play you are. Maybe you don't like that kind of shit, and you don't care. In which case, uh, I guess it really doesn't apply to you. Just finish the storyline and move on to the next game. Yeah, eventually get to that point when I don't care about trophies anymore. I'm, sh- I'm sure it's coming soon. We shall see. Getting older. <laughs> Well, that leads us to the final musical break. And this is my other pick. And it is For What We Hold Dear. And I honestly have no idea when this plays, but I was listening to random shit on the OST, which I think I might have mentioned already is like six hours and 45 minutes. And this one caught my ear, so that's why I picked it. (laughs) All right.
And with that, the show is over. So thank you all for listening. Um, if you stuck around this far, now is about the time we talk about the next game that we're playing um, and do all our uh, appeals for you to join us on our mini social apps. Uh, and that is actually only just Discord. So uh... <laughs> you can join us on Facebook, I guess. You can like us on Facebook. As, I mean, I, I suppose you could also send us an email at rpgshow.podcast at gmail.com. And uh, I already checked. We don't have any emails, so I'm not going to talk about that. But um, as we mentioned at the start of the show, the next game is the Crisis Core remake. So do you want to talk about why you picked that, Kevin? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I said this pre-show or in the, in the beginning. I can't remember it at this point. But uh, I played this originally on the PSP. I bought the bundle because it was the Zach, like the game about Zack, and that was my favorite part about Final Fantasy VII was like finding out. Well, as disappointing, I found out that Cloud was Cloud was a fraud. Uh, spoilers, I guess, but um, he was not. That's not really. He was living out someone else's life, uh, and I wanted to know what that was like. And that's what Crisis Core is. It's like Zack's like rise through sh- soldier. I guess he starts off as like a soldier uh, second class and you work your way up to first class and then the whole Nibelheim incident you get to see that like through his eyes instead of like through like the flashbacks so that's pretty cool um, and then you know how he dies and all that kind of stuff uh, it's it was a very very well done game like at least what I remembered of when I first played it um, I just I'm about quarter of the way through well i'm chapter four right now it's 10 chapters um it's a quick game if you don't do a lot of the side content but there's like a lot of side quests you can do um which are kind of a you do like it's 300 right you need to do them all for the plat yeah 300 and they're like maybe a couple minutes each but that adds up over time um but uh you don't have to do them either but it's kind of like one of those addicting things you just gotta keep going till you complete them uh but the story like so far is okay from what i remember um it's a little bit more cheesier dialogue between him and Aerith, i guess when they first meet than i remembered maybe it's because i'm older um but the whole i like the, the way zach is like his personality is what i like so that's what i like about this game so and uh i think the, the gameplay is at least on this version is fun uh, it's kind of like an action RPG, and you got magic you can use and uh, attacks you can use. Anyways, so, uh, is I, it more like the Final Fantasy VII remake system? Yeah, kinda. But you're just by yourself. There's no other uh, team team members. And it's not as like I well, mean, so kind of like well, the UP shit, right? Huh? So kind of like the UP shit. Yeah, but it's definitely not as polished and well done as that one. Like that was okay. That was like top notch. I thought. Um. But yeah, it's not as difficult either. You can like definitely get OP real quick and just break things. So uh, it's not very well balanced because you, you can break it like in the first or second chapter by doing all the side quests. Um, side missions, I guess I would say. But um, yeah, I, I love that game. Uh, I've been waiting for it to be ported or remade or whatever for a long time. So as soon as they announced it, I knew I was going to pick it for the show. So. I want to have that plat in my like you know, in my lineup of trophies. Yeah, was that the showcase? What the hell they call it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sweet. 
uh, yeah, I can't wait to get into it because, uh, like I said, I haven't played it before, and uh, I am interested in learning about Zach's history and shit. So uh, hopefully I like it as much as you do, at least, or at least half as much as you do, because... <laughs> yeah. Because uh, you like it a lot, so... Yep. Uh, it'd be cool. Cool to check it out. All right. Yeah. Um... I mean, I guess that's uh, that's it. We have an Amazon affiliate link or whatever, which nobody uses, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> uh, you and uh, Blaine did a video game, the movie, recently, right? Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about that? or? Yeah, we just care? did um, the Trails, of, Trails in the Sky, the animation, which is like a conglomeration of both games into one hour and a half DVD. And it's very, very confusing if you never, if you don't know what's going on. Like Blaine had no fucking idea. <laughs> He's like, well, "Who's that?" It's like they're introducing a new character every like, couple minutes, but no, they don't really introduce them. There's like, "Who's that guy? Who's that guy? What's this? What's going?" Like no one knows what's going on because it's like both games compiled down into one hour and a half, and it's like very, very. It's not well done. So I've been, I definitely like shit on it because <laughs> I was, I'm like. I'm very glad I didn't watch this before I played any of the games because I would not want to play the games. So, damn, it's fucked up. Yeah, it's bad. All right. Uh, well, if you do like Blaine, um, you can also listen to him and James on the Is It Worth It podcast. And uh, I think they probably have put something out recently. I remember. I think he was saying they were going to play uh, Live Alive or Live Alive or whatever the fuck it is. Did yeah, they, they played that out yet. They played Live Alive. They just dropped that one. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, I'm sure that's pretty good. Uh, they, I, as far as I'm aware, put out good content. So definitely check it out if you have the time. Yep. Um, and I guess that's uh, that wraps it up. So as always, th- thanks for listening. And until next time, bye everybody. Bye everyone. Mm-hmm.